or at co.com. Friday, the 25th of August, the Feast of King St. Louis the Ninth. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O Lord, listen to our prayer. For those who feel hopelessly trapped by the habits of sin, grant them forgiveness and peace. For those who fear your anger, show them also your love. For those who delay examining their decisions and habits, let them see how quickly life passes. Gracious and merciful God, you heard the groans of a world that labors under the weight of sin, and you sent your only Son to lift its burden from humanity's shoulders by taking it upon his own. Hear the prayers of sinners and the victims of sin, and deliver us by the power of his cross. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. St. Louis, pray for us. You know, in Cardinals country, they pronounce the S. So in case you're listening in Covenant Radio in that world this morning, happy feast day to you. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, we have much of which to speak. We'll talk more about St. Louis the Ninth with Amy Giuliano. Uh, Father Damien Ferentz has a new book on Flannery O'Connor that we'll get into. Andrew Swafford is one of the team contributing to Ascension Press's Catholic Guide to the Old Testament. Today we're in the book of Ruth, uh, going to give you a little picture of what's going on in that book of the Old Testament. And then we'll look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings with Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Former President Donald Trump surrendered to authorities in Georgia yesterday after being indicted for alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis is seeking to hold arraignments for all the defendants in the case the week following Labor Day. Cameras will be allowed in the courtroom for the arraignments. Meanwhile, Donald Trump has become the first former U.S. president with a mugshot. Mark Mayfield has more. It was taken Thursday night during the booking process at Atlanta's Fulton County Jail and later released. Trump was charged for his alleged efforts to overturn the state's 2020 election. He was released on a $200,000 bond. The Trump campaign is now selling T-shirts with a mugshot on it for $47 with the words Never Surrender underneath. This was the fourth criminal case brought against the ex-president this year. I'm Mark Mayfield. Nicaraguan dictator Daniel Ortega's crackdown on the Catholic Church continues. Vatican News reports he has now declared the Jesuit religious order illegal and has ordered all their assets confiscated. This coming in the wake of the closure of a Jesuit-run university last week and the expulsion of the Jesuits from a nearby residence earlier this week. The Central American Jesuit province condemned the declaration and called on the Ortega regime to immediately end its systematic repression of the church. The Maui government is suing a utility company for allegedly sparking the deadly Lahaina wildfire. 
A lawsuit filed yesterday claims Hawaiian Electric Company, quote, inexcusably kept their power lines energized earlier this month despite wind and fire warnings from forecasters. The National Weather Service said strong winds could knock down power lines and spark fires that would spread quickly due to dry conditions. An attorney representing Maui County said the lawsuit seeks damages that could total tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. At least 115 people were confirmed to be killed in the fires. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops has issued an amicus brief to the Supreme Court arguing for upholding a federal law preventing people under domestic restraining orders from carrying firearms. From Vatican Radio, Eduardo Garibaldi reports. The basic principles of social order reflected in various ways in this nation's historic legal traditions and in Catholic social teaching include the government's role in promoting the common good by protecting human life and dignity. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops thus opened an amicus brief related to a pending Supreme Court case arguing in favor of ratifying a federal law allowing gun bans in domestic violence cases. The document referred to the case of Zaki Rahimi, a Texas man who received a restraining order following a series of violence perpetrated to his girlfriend. While the document recognized the autonomy of the family and other institutions of civil society, it also acknowledged that that same autonomy is not unlimited, calling therefore for law interventions. In fact, the right to keep and bear arms can thus be limited in situations where Possession of arms is unusually likely to arm innocent victims instead of helping. The document brought up historical examples demonstrating how individuals could be disarmed when considered dangerous for others, challenging the distinction that was made between protecting society as a whole and protecting individuals. The genuine protection of political and social order is not truly a separate aim from protecting the vulnerable individuals whose moral claim on society is most pressing. Bishops claimed. I am Eduardo Giribaldi. Bags of frozen vegetables that were sold nationwide are being recalled because they might be contaminated with listeria. The bags of frozen mixed vegetables and sweet corn were sold at close to 4,000 Kroger and Food Lion grocery stores and supermarkets. And Lego is now selling Braille versions of the toy bricks. The toy maker said the release of the Braille bricks, quote, marks a significant milestone in the development of more inclusive learning through play experiences. The Lego Braille bricks will feature both Braille and printed letters, numbers, and symbols on each of the bricks. English and French versions are now available for pre-order on Lego's website. That seems so, pretty cool to me. So, frankly, I'm a little surprised that this, this is only happening just now. Just now? Yeah, really. I mean, they're the Because Lego's whole identity is embossed. raised bumps. Yeah, exactly. On stuff. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, and it strikes me that you could probably, if you wanted to, if you're like me and you got a tub of extra Legos somewhere, you could probably make, like, Braille messages now. Hmm. If you, you know, kind of, well, it would like have a base would... plate and some like single sprocket bricks. Oh, oh, okay. And you could single. like make like messages. Sure. In Braille now. I wonder if they, does Braille have to be a certain, like, 
height. You know what I mean? Like, is there a certain, like, font size, so to speak, that Braille is so that you can actually run your fingers over it? I'm sure that there's some standardization for that. Yeah. So I'm not sure that you could do that with Legos. Not to rain on your parade here, Matt. Yeah, but... It would be Braille adjacent. Braille-like. Braille-like. There you go. I don't know. Get out the Legos and try it out. Yeah, just... Yeah. See what you got. Indeed. Well, today is Friday, August the 25th. We are happy to have you along with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's eight past... Happy to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show, Amy Giuliano. She's a digital media specialist for the Institute of Catholic Culture. She has degrees in theology from the Angelicum in Rome and art history from Yale and regularly contributes sacred art essays to the Magnificat. She's founder of Vadis VR, which provides virtual tours of sacred sites. Amy, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Annie. It's good to have you. So August 25th is the feast of King St. Louis IX, and there is so much to be said about his life and his reign as king. Uh, The one that I want to talk about with you is a church that folks can visit today in Paris, Sainte-Chapelle. Why Mm -hmm. did St. Louis IX want to build this church? So St. Louis IX, he was a deeply devout king of France, and he actually acquired the relics of Christ's crown of thorns from his cousin, uh, the Latin emperor of Constantinople, Baldwin II. And so he commissioned the the building of the Sainte-Chapelle, functioning as a, a reliquary, a really beautifully ornate reliquary for such a precious artifact. So veneration of the crown of Christ was kind of the French king's way of showing allegiance to the king of kings. And we know that during the fire in Notre Dame in 2019, the crown um, was saved from Notre Dame. So it was housed in Saint-Chapelle for many years up until the the French Revolution and very wisely was hidden at that time, later put on display in Notre Dame, and then it did survive the fire. Wow. Now, for those who have not looked at a picture of Saint-Chapelle, how was a church like that built in the 13th century? Sure. It's quite impressive. So I do teach art history, and I try to tell my students the two things you need to remember about the Gothic period and Gothic art and architecture. You're going to think of height and light. How did they achieve these soaring high buildings and the beautiful light that floods into them? Well, before the uh, before and during really the 11th century, churches were built in a style called Romanesque, and it's kind of characterized by the use of heavy stone columns, rounded arches, barrel vaults, um, and these rounded arches. They were kind of necessary to support the immense weight of these structures. The structures feel very grounded. So the period that followed the Romanesque uh, was the Gothic, and we see. In the emergence of the Gothic style, uh, there are some new and more advanced techniques and innovations that were also emerging. Uh, They came together for the first time in France, especially with Abbot Suget of uh, Saint-Denis. If you go, it's still in Paris. It's the burial place of the French kings. Beautiful church. And he kind of introduces this 
new Gothic style. And one of the great innovations and kind of the key innovation of the Gothic style that allowed a church like that to be built about 100 years later was the development of the, the pointed arch. So because of the pointed arch, Gothic churches were able to have much larger windows than had previously been possible. So how do you get light into these churches? That was a real interest. To get light in, you build high walls for like like a really vast open space within. You're going to build these strong interlocking ribbed vaults with pointed arches above. And again, that, that's going to direct the weight down without relying so much on the walls for support. And you're going to brace those walls from without, not from within. So you're going to think of like the the flying buttresses outside mm-hmm. of the structure to push up on those walls to, to reinforce them. And then when you don't have those weighty, thick walls, uh, you're not relying on them, uh, you can replace them with glass. You get these tall, airy windows. So that's how they did it. These amazing architectural innovations allowed them to. Wow, real pure use of faith and reason, I think, when, uh, or faith and science, I guess you could say. That's that's so incredible. So when you look at Saint-Chapelle, the first thing you have to think of are all of those stained glass windows. What all is pictured in them? Sure, they're presenting the scenes of Christian history in chronological order uh, from the book of Genesis. And through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, and they even include scenes of uh, Louis IX processing with the crown of thorns, his acquisition of the relics, and then his procession to Saint-Chapelle with the relics. So they kind of go from Genesis all the way through history up until that point. And then the rose window on the western end uh, features scenes from the end of time. The Sistine Chapel, I'd say, is, is the best comparison where we see all of salvation history kind of arcing above us and culminating in the last judgment on the Western Wall. Uh, that's what we're seeing at St. Chapelle. Amy, what is it like to step into this church? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so when you enter the main chapel, you're in a room where the walls are made almost entirely of glass. So it feels kind of otherworldly as this natural daylight is shining through Uh, the windows, and bathing the entire church in kind of like a pinkish, purplish glow, kind of bluish sometimes. It depends on the light. That's what's so interesting. Um, It's like walking through a kaleidoscope, a prism, because the light is is kind of changing as the sun is arcing across the sky. The clouds are rolling in and out. It's a very dynamic experience. The architects are, they engaged with the natural phenomenon of light to uh, bring the space to life through this interaction of light with colored glass. So the walls uh, there, let's see, I can remember all my numbers. There's over 7,200 square feet of glass. Um, That's not even counting the rose window at the end. Gosh. (laughs) I know. And then they're divided into these 15 stained glass bays. So 15 big bays of stained glass, each are about 50 feet high. And Throughout the space, you have over 1,100 stained glass panels within the windows. I'm depicting these different scenes, again, that I said from from Genesis onwards. And I think what's interesting about that, especially for us, us as Catholics, is to think about the metaphysics of light, the theology behind the kind of the why. Why are they doing this? We, we talked about the innovations and how they were able to do it, but why did they want to make a space that's so filled with light. And we think about 
1 John 1, 5, God is light. In his light we see light. That's from uh, Psalm 36. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Of course, that's John's prologue. We know that God dwells in unapproachable light. That's from the scriptures. And created light is a really powerful metaphor for the uncreated light of God. So the architects, they were aiming to flood this interior with light, both clear and colored, and fill the interior with, um, if you go in, you see gold, jewels, polychromed, painted statues, accents of gold leaf. So everything inside is going to also be reflecting this light. So we have the verticality of the structure that's that's raising the the mind and heart to to soar to the heights, to seek the things that are above. Uh, You have the beauty of this space. It's directing our gaze to beauty himself and and the light that's pouring in. It's transporting us from material things to immaterial things. Um, I like to note that Aquinas, he has a few uh, different adjectives to describe something that's considered beautiful. Um, and one of the things that it must have, he says, is claritas, clarity, radiance, luminosity. And that's here at No doubt. Thank you so much, Amy Giuliano. If you'd like to go check out her work, go to VadisVR.com. 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, Resuscitation of the Rosary, a Fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and Mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. EWTN podcasts are the perfect companion for busy Catholics everywhere. Your favorite EWTN programs are waiting for you to listen to on your time. With on-demand access to audio, you can pause and pick up right where you left off anytime, anywhere. Just subscribe by using your mobile device's free podcast app. Find old favorites or discover something new. EWTN podcasts, they're waiting for you. 19 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Donald Trump surrendered to authorities in Georgia yesterday after being indicted for alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election in Georgia. 
The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops has issued an amicus brief to the Supreme Court arguing to uphold a federal law preventing people under domestic restraining orders from carrying firearms. And Nicaraguan dictator Daniel Ortega's crackdown on the Catholic Church continues as he has now declared the Jesuits illegal. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. You know, Anna Mitchell, I... I put it on Twitter yesterday, and I was just thinking about this. You know, these oppressive, small-minded tyrants, Mm -hmm. they always act like they're the first people to ever throw Jesuits out of a country. (laughs) We did The Catholic Church did it at one time. That's true. The Pope. Mexico. Mm -hmm. I mean, a bunch of these people, they've... uh, Guess who's... Who's not still around? Those oppressive and small-minded dictators and tyrants. Yep. And who's still around? The Jesuits. The Society of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But in seriousness, pray for the the people of Nicaragua. I mean, they're what an awful situation to be yeah. in. Um, there are saints who are doing incredible things that nobody sees right now. In this crazy world, where can Catholics go with their hard-earned money and not support businesses that go against our faith? Check out the Angels List on SacredHeartRadio.com. It's a list of businesses owned and operated by our Catholic brothers and sisters who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the Angels List, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Hi, I'm Guy Cagney with the Cagney family and Coble Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Our Catholic faith is the center of our family life and how we do our real estate business. Hope that you and your family will remain safe and healthy this year. 513-347-1888. For over 50 years, the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul has been providing food, clothing, rent, and utility assistance to people in six counties of Southern Ohio. You can join the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul in helping our neighbors with a monetary or vehicle donation, which is simple and easy. 800-322-8284 or donate online at runforthepoor.org. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Damian Ferentz, who's got a new book called Understanding the Hillbilly Thomist, The Philosophical Foundations of Flannery O'Connor's Narrative Art. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Thanks for having me on your show. All right, so there are a lot of people who know who the Hillbilly Thomists are because of, you know, Dominicans and banjos. Uh, some of them might even know the origins of that band name in the uh, remarks of Flannery O'Connor. But what does it mean for her to refer to herself as a hillbilly Thomist, and how did the question even come up? Yeah, I think 
for her, it might have been a throwaway line. She was getting ready to go on um, a TV show, and she had been accused after someone reviewed her fiction of being a hillbilly nihilist. And she was she took no offense to the word hillbilly, but she was certainly not a nihilist, and she said she'd prefer to be known as a hillbilly Thomas. So she says that that one time in her letters, and it it, it became a thing, and a band was named after her, and. Uh, now I wrote a book trying to help people understand her, her work, her fiction, her narrative art. Well, obviously people didn't understand it. You know, if this were uh, 2023 and she was coming out, she might have had a blog and some uh, you know, tweets out there and uh, maybe done a few appearances and then gotten around to write a novel. And everybody would be like, oh, this is the novel by the person who thinks all of these things that we know what they think from all their previous media impressions, right? Uh, Correct. People didn't really have that opportunity with Flannery O'Connor. She just kind of dropped some of this stuff out there. And, and a lot of people who were – their first introduction to her was not like, here's a Catholic author doing a philosophical uh, exploration on you know, a, a fictional – canvas they just saw the stories man <laughs> this was kind of a shock to a lot of people it's right and even her close catholic friends didn't for the most part understand what she was doing and didn't understand her work uh, she befriended a group of uh, hawthorne dominican nuns down in atlanta and they they liked her an awful lot and they knew she was a good writer but they had a hard time even at first understanding how it was that what she was trying to do in her fiction and and what her project was all about, which is uh, the reason I wrote the book, to help people. Because I, I run into a lot of folks, too, who say, you know, I, I know Flannery O'Connor was a faithful Catholic. I know she went to Mass every day, and I know people say she's good, but I really don't understand why she's good. And so hopefully my book can help people figure that one out. Well, I identified with Flannery O'Connor immediately when I met her as a young evangelical Protestant in the South because I was like, hey, this lady's writing about my people. So That's it. uh, it's exactly it. She's writing about your people. Wow. Yeah, and and also that she was uh, writing about them in a way that was well, it's it's hard to explain in a way that was you know pointed out the 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 wildness of you know some of the the lines of of sola scriptura as it manifests in local communities with big personalities uh, and uh, no magisterium. And there are some elites who could have written about it, and I would have shut them out immediately. <laughs> but Flannery O'Connor, I did not. I mean, I felt like she was writing them with, in almost sort of like a loving way, uh, even when she was writing about people who were insane and wild. And I think that there's something to that, uh, something uh, Thomistic about writing. I mean, letting your enemies kind of speak their full argument uh, out of respect in some ways is a very Thomistic principle. That's that's true. And she she is a comic genius as well. And so when you read her stuff, you know you're getting it when you're laughing along the way or smiling and saying, oh, man, this is this is great. And it's a challenge. It should be a challenge to all readers, Catholic ones included, because even though most of her characters are Protestant, we can see ourselves in, in them with our with our pride and swelled up egos at times thinking we know everything or thinking we know exactly how God is. Is, it, is at work, and she's trying to take us deeper into the mystery and get us, even sometimes through the grotesque, through violence and some suffering, uh, to a deeper place in relationship with God and obviously his church, too. Well, some people might say, you know, I don't know that grotesque and suffering and scandal and violence and, you know, morality tales that don't necessarily spell it out for you what the moral of the story is are the best way uh, for us to think about 
the faith. And to those people, I wanted to be like, have you ever read like the book of Judges? Uh, have you ever read like <laughs> the, the the entire Old Testament? I mean, in some ways, um, this is a very ancient way of trying to f- wrap your mind around the human condition. That's it. Yeah. So to the how did she say it? To the to the almost uh, to the hard of hearing you shout. To the almost blind you draw large startling figures. And keep in mind that when Flannery was 25, she was diagnosed with lupus, which was the same disease that took her father's life. So the last 14 years of her life, she lived on a farm with her mother, and she went through a intense suffering herself. And she knew that it was through the cross that she's going to experience the resurrection. And she knew that her death was coming, but she also was convinced that death was not the final say. Um, so, yeah, she's giving us a, 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 a robust view, uh, a classic view, a true view of reality. And it can be shocking to the modern and the postmodern reader, for sure. Well, reality is shocking to most of us anyway, even if we're not reading yeah. about this stuff. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the, the mirror that she puts up in front of us, and I'm grateful for her for doing that. Uh, but the book is called Understanding the Hillbilly Thomas, The Philosophical Foundations of Flannery O'Connor's Narrative Art. It's by Father Damien Ference, and it's uh, available through Word on Fire, and there's a link to it at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Matt. All right, and again, we'd love to hear from you, uh, especially those of you who are heading to EWTN. This weekend, if you're going to be in Birmingham for the EWTN family celebration at the Jefferson Convention Complex in Birmingham, celebrating uh, the 100th birthday year of Mother Angelica, take pictures, shoot us a few, uh, tell everybody that the Sunrise Morning Show specifically sent you to say hello to people. So when you see Father Wade or Jim or Joy or Father Joseph Mary, he's our bud up here. We like him a lot. We like him all down there. You go tell them that Matt and Anna and Paul said hello, and we're sorry we couldn't make it. And, uh, yeah, send us the pictures. Post them to us over at sunrisemorningshow.com. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna with news. Good morning. Donald Trump surrendered to authorities in Georgia yesterday after being indicted for alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election in the state. The former president had his mugshot taken upon arrival at the Fulton County Jail and was released on a $200,000 bond. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis is seeking to hold arraignments for all the defendants in the case the week following Labor Day. Cameras will be allowed in the courtroom for the arraignments. Nicaraguan dictator Daniel Ortega's crackdown on the Catholic Church continues as he has now declared the Jesuit religious order illegal. From Vatican Radio, James Blears reports. The government say they've banned the Jesuits and taken their worldly possessions, claiming they somehow flouted tax laws. The Jesuits responded by saying, this violates human rights and it appears to be aimed at consolidating a totalitarian state. It comes a week after the administration of President Daniel Ortega expropriated the Jesuit-run Central American University and have renamed it Casimiro Sotelo Montenegro National University after a Sandinista leader killed in 1967, a fellow student and contemporary of Daniel Ortega. This action was justified by authorities who claim the university is a center for terrorism. 
Then, a house by the university was seized and six Jesuits were thrown onto the street. The Central American Society of Jesus said, We strongly condemn this act of violence against our community and we reaffirm our confidence that the Lord of History will continue to protect the Jesuits of Nicaragua during these difficult times. In February, there was a release of prisoners including seven would-be presidential candidates who were bundled onto a one-way flight out of Nicaragua and to the United States. In April, the Vatican Embassy was closed. A month later, the Red Cross was banned, accused of attacking peace and stability. Vatican Radio, James Blair is reporting. A federal court judge has dismissed a challenge to a West Virginia law restricting the abortion pill. Drugmaker GenBioPro filed suit back in January against West Virginia's restrictions on the abortion drug Mifepristone. West Virginia, the the company that makes a generic version of the medication and argued that West Virginia's ban and other restrictions have caused it, quote, significant ongoing economic injury, end quote. U.S. District Judge Robert Chalmers dismissed Gen BioPro's claims that federal law preempts the West Virginia law. The Maui government is suing a utility company for allegedly sparking the deadly Lahaina wildfire. A lawsuit filed yesterday claims Hawaiian Electric Company inexcusably kept their power lines energized earlier this month despite wind and fire warnings from forecasters. The National Weather Service had said strong winds could knock down power lines and spark fires that would spread quickly due to dry conditions. An attorney representing Maui County said the lawsuit seeks damages that could total tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. At least 115 people were killed in the fires. Nearly 700,000 homes and businesses in Michigan and Ohio are without power after severe thunderstorms slammed the region with heavy rains, powerful winds, and at least one tornado. The storms charged across southern Michigan into Ohio after midnight, packing wind gusts up to 85 miles an hour and hail as big as an inch and a half. The National Weather Service said a large and extremely dangerous tornado was confirmed last night near Williamston, Michigan, just east of Lansing. Mortgage rates are at a 22-year high. Mark Mayfield has more. Rates soared to 7.3% this week. A year ago, the 30-year fixed rate in the U.S. was just over 5.5%. That's according to data from Freddie Mac. They've been above 6.5 all summer and have been creeping up since mid-July. I'm Mark Mayfield. T-Mobile is laying off close to 5,000 employees by the end of September. The company's president and CEO said in an email to its workers, disclosed in an SEC filing that the layoffs will mostly affect corporate and tech roles rather than retail and other customer-facing roles. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. Family, please know that Sacred Heart Radio has never sold or shared our mailing list with anyone. So when you donate or sign up to receive our newsletters, be confident that Sacred Heart Radio will not sell or share your information with other organizations. Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air are proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, home of the 100% satisfaction guarantee, because our work is done right the first time for all your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning work. 
Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. A mass with the anointing of the sick will be held on Labor Day, September 4th at 11 a.m. at St. Antoninus Church in Western Hills. If you are seeking physical, emotional, or spiritual healing, we encourage you to come or to stand in for someone who is in need. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of King St. Louis IX, Friday, August the 25th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, online at skpha.com. Got another heat advisory in effect for a good part of the listening area today. Right now, temperatures in the mid-70s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be partly cloudy with some isolated afternoon storms possible and a high of 95 degrees. Partly cloudy skies tonight with a slight rain chance and an overnight low of 68. That rain chance continues into tomorrow morning, otherwise partly cloudy with a high of 86. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a mix of clouds and sun with a stray shower or storm today, a high around 91. Partly cloudy with scattered thunderstorms developing after midnight and a low of 70. Showers in the morning tomorrow and a high of 85. This is Sacred Heart Radio. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and it's time for our weekly Old Testament Bible study using a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. You can get your own copy at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. And we're back with Dr. Andrew Swafford, who is a co-author of this guide. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. Great to be with you. It is great to have you. And today we are unpacking the book of Ruth, which comes right after the book of Judges and really kind of a breath of fresh air in the wake of Judges. So who is Ruth and who are the other major characters that we meet along with her? Yeah, so Ruth, uh, Naomi, her mother-in-law, we meet Boaz as a major character. And then early on what we have is and Ruth is a Moabite, right? Ruth is a Gentile. She's not an Israelite, and that's, that's key to the story. Uh, but basically, uh, Naomi's husband dies, and Ruth's husband dies, um, and, and there's um, sisters-in-law that their husbands die. So you have these widows, and Naomi's going to go back to her own, her own people, um, and Ruth insists on going with Naomi. And, and Ruth says very powerfully, like, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Ruth embraces, as a Moabite, embraces the God of Israel. Uh, and through a, you know, it, it, it takes place during the time of the judges, which is, I mean, so interesting. I, I think back to like Elijah when the Lord is like, I've preserved a remnant. I know that you, you see all this craziness and all this idolatry, but I have preserved a remnant. And I think it gets so easy today to be like, gosh, everything is just going to hell in a handbasket. And to realize God, this is God's story. It's God's church. It's God's people um, that, there might, there's more going on beneath the surface. And, and as you know, I mean, you, you, there's good people uh, everywhere if you look for them. Um, and so Ruth, you know, sort of this bright spot in the midst of this very, you know, dark and depressing time period of the judges period of, of faithfulness uh, in, in kind of unlikely places. 
Well, yeah, absolutely. Can you just tell us? I mean, the fact that Ruth was a Moabite married to a child of Israel is is kind of indicative of, I mean, obviously it turns out for the, the greater good in, in this particular story. But, I mean, if you're just looking at it on the surface level, the fact that a son of Israel is married to a Moabite is kind of a problem, isn't it? Well, I mean, then there's, you know, you look at Solomon with his 700 wives through the concubines. And he's <laughs> yeah. taking these foreign wives, he builds temples for all their, all their gods and things like that. So often in Scripture, is kind of a means of luring people away from, from faithfulness. So you're right. Um, and then, you know, and then Ruth, by the end of the story, becomes the great grandmother of King David, right? Yeah. So, and she shows up in Matthew's genealogy. I mean, this is um, so really providential stuff that you wouldn't have seen if you were there at first glance. Yeah. So, well, you've just kind of mentioned it, but but take us a little deeper into why this story is so important for us in understanding salvation history. Yeah, so so as Ruth goes back to uh, to Bethlehem with Naomi and, and really kind of cares for her in, in an endearing way, and is described with such you know kind of faithfulness, you know, from um, few kind of just kind of different encounters that she ends up gleaning from Boaz's. Fields, and it just so happens that Boaz becomes a, well. Boaz is a, a is related uh, to to the family, and, and basically you've got some laws in the background uh, that you see in like Deuteronomy twenty five, where it, it, it's basically like if your brother's wife um, becomes a widow, that you would marry you you, you would marry uh, her. Um, and raise up offspring for your brother to preserve your brother's name. And but but what we have here is there's no brother, and so there's like an extended application of the law, and uh, this leads to a, a potential marriage between Boaz and Ruth. Um, and that's really what is part of what forges the dynastic line that'll eventually produce King David. And one fascinating thing in Ruth three eleven, Ruth is described as an Ashif Chayil in Hebrew, a a, a, a valiant woman, uh, which is a phrase that only occurs three times in the Bible, and most famously Proverbs thirty one ten. The mm-hmm. godly wife is known as an Ashif Chayil, and, and really intriguingly in in the Hebrew canon, so in the Jewish the, the ordering of the, uh, the the order of the books of the Bible in, in, in Jewish tradition, Ruth follows Proverbs. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's almost like she's considered as an embodiment of this godly wife, this Asha Chayil. And, and for this and other reasons, Ruth becomes kind of indirectly a, a figure of the church, a figure of, of Mary. Um, you, you know, and, and not, it doesn't line up perfectly, but in terms of this uh, faithfulness and this Asha Chayil, this wise and virtuous woman who plays this critical role in salvation history. Well, you know what I find really interesting here, Andrew, as I was listening to you, you were talking about the the laws about, you know, a brother and a brother who dies, the wife and, you know, all that stuff. And and the fact that Ruth and Boaz meet because Boaz was being faithful to the law and that he was allowing the edges of his field to be gleaned yep. by those who needed it. I mean, this is really an embodiment. We see what happens when or, or the, you see the, the, the true purpose of the law, which when you're faithful to the law as God set it out, look at what can happen. You become the grandmother of David. I mean, it, it's really incredible. Oh, no, and this is actually so important, especially in our American context, because sometimes, you know, we value freedom 
so much, which is great. It's, it's I mean, it, it's it's essential. Uh, but sometimes we think of freedom as opposed to the law. And, and really, if you go deeper, the law empowers and enables true and authentic freedom. Freedom, real freedom, is not just do whatever I want. Real freedom is to pursue the good, and the law helps us, guides us. And you read Psalm, you know, one nineteen, for example. I mean, um, this this love of the law because the law is wisdom, and wisdom frees us to be truly happy and to not be a slave to our own passions. It allows us to walk in the ways of the Lord, and who's Amen. more free than the Lord? Amen. <laughs> he is Amen. freedom itself, really. We've been talking to Dr. Andrew Swafford, and you can pick up a copy of A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press at their site, ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament, which is also where you can download the Ascension Press app, which has, uh, I mean, it's just an incredible app. Go check it out over at the Ascension Press site. And Andrew, really appreciate your time this morning unpacking the Book of Ruth. Thank you. Oh, always a blessing. Thank you. You bet. Matt, I know you love the Book of Ruth. I do. I like them all, Anna Mitchell. Well, I mean, You okay, know, first reading but... from Mass today is the beginning of the Book of Ruth. So, well, this, uh, your timing is impeccable with, with uh, Andrew Swafford. Imagine that. Imagine how it all just lines up. There are people who are going to be like, oh, that's pretty fascinating. And then they're going to walk into Mass and they hadn't looked at the readings yet. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be like, hey, I know some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I mean, never I just, say we Never say we didn't try and line things up for you. I, I just love the, I love that we get this line in the reading today. But Ruth said to Naomi, do not ask me to abandon or forsake you. Where, for wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. I mean, Matt, one of the original converts. Yeah, in a you way, could say that. Yeah, and in the line of Jesus. So, we talk about you know this being a story of the line of David, but don't forget that the line of David is the line of Jesus. Is the line of Jesus, as. Uh, as Luke and Matthew are keen to point out. <laughs> We're going to talk more about the Sunday Mass readings with Father Hezekiah Carnazzo coming up after the break. It's a quarter till. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. 
If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Teresa Tamio. Every time I go to Mass and see my husband serving on the altar as a deacon, it hits me how, with God, all things are possible. I mean, there is no way that we should be still married, number one, based on all the problems we had. But number two, the fact that I'm in Catholic media and my husband is a deacon is simply a testimony to the power of God and the teachings of the church that saved our marriage and, more importantly, our souls. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. If you could invite one saint to join you for dinner, who would it be? You can tell us your story today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. Donald Trump surrendered to authorities in Georgia yesterday after being indicted for alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election in the state. Nicaraguan dictator Daniel Ortega's crackdown on the Catholic Church continues. He's now declared the Jesuits illegal. And a federal judge has dismissed a challenge to a West Virginia law restricting the abortion pill. Next newscast coming up in about 14, maybe 15 minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. It's a blessing to be with you and your listeners today. It is a blessing to have you back. And we are looking ahead to the readings for Mass on Sunday, the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. And let's start by looking at the book of the prophet Isaiah, the first reading from chapter 22 and uh, we get the names of these two guys. There's Shebna and there's Eliakim. And, um, okay, so Shebna gets thrust out of his office by the Lord, and then they put Eliakim in his place. Um, what is going on in this story, Father? Why is this important? Well, it's all about context, Annie. If we read this chapter in the chapter before in its proper context, well, first of all, the, the big context, Isaiah who's living during a time and prophesying during a time when a Babylonian exile is taking place or beginning to take place or about to take place, and things are not well, right, in, in Jerusalem. Not all is going well. And if we read the context, we find out that this guy, Shebna, who is, quote, over the house, uh, that, is the, that is a position of being, I don't know, Annie, what is it, like the prime minister sure. or... Yeah, vice the vice president, whatever it is, they're given in the ancient world, in in the the king's throne city, and well, in any major city, there was the the guy who held the keys. That is the key to the gate of the city. It's very important in the old in the old world because the cities were walled cities, and in order to get in and conquer the city, you had to get through the gate. And so, in in the morning and in the evening, that gate would be opened and then closed. Whoever held that key held the, the, the keys of the kingdom, right? Mm. He's the guy that was in charge of taking care to make sure 
that the, that the kingdom was safe. And here we're presented in the book of Isaiah, the prophecy of Isaiah, with two guys. The first, Shebna, who in the context of this chapter we find out that while the city is, going to, is, is coming under siege by the, by the Babylonians, um, uh, he's telling people, hey, eat, drink, and be merry. They're all hanging around. They're eating together. They say, oh, well, we're all going to die anyways. Enjoy yourself, right? Hmm. He's not doing his job, not only in the matter of opening and closing the gate, but protecting God's people. So God throws him out of, the, out of his office and says, I'm sorry, you're the one that's been given the keys to protect the people, and, you, and, and you're exposing them to a, a, something worse than the Babylonians, that is, that is to, to sin and ultimately to giving themselves over to death. And, uh, and, he, and, then, and then, of course, we have the, the, the second guy, Eliakim, who is put in his place in order to be the one to oversee God's people in place of the king, because the king can't do everything, right? So he's got to say, that's, that's the thing. If we go back to Genesis chapter 41, you see something like this about Joseph, right? Joseph becomes the over the house, if you will, the key bearer, the one who is second in command to Pharaoh. So this was a, a position known in the ancient world and even among the, the kingdom of David. And so that sets us up nicely to look at Matthew chapter 16, which is our gospel. And uh, as we like to say, it's the Pope verse, right? When Peter is given the keys to the kingdom of heaven by Jesus. But why is Peter being given those keys? Yeah. Once we know, once we have Isaiah in place and we know of this position, the Albaid, the key bearer, the one who is over the house, of the king who is protecting the, 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 the kingdom, well, then it makes sense, right? Because in the Gospel of Matthew, we said over the last few weeks, Annie, that the Gospel of Matthew and, and really the Synoptic Gospels as a whole are all about one thing. They're all about revealing that Jesus is the fulfillment of the expectation of the Jews. He is the coming Messiah. The Messiah, the anointed one, is the king. He is the king. Right? That's why in the Gospel of Matthew, over and over again, in all of the parables we've been looking at, Jesus is constantly hitting us over the head. The, key, the, king, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is yes. like, over and over and over and over again, because he's, he's trying to reveal who he is. This is why in this passage, the most important thing is not what Jesus says to Peter, it's what Peter says to Jesus. Jesus asks the question, who do you say that I am? And then Peter confesses, thou art the Christ the son of the living God. You are the king, Peter says. And therefore, Jesus does what a king does. He establishes his kingdom. And in the establishment of his kingdom, he names Peter as the Albaid, the key bearer, the one who is entrusted to oversee the kingdom, the one who is entrusted to protect God's people from those that would invade the kingdom and try to destroy it from the inside. This is why the, the, the position of Peter is so important among the apostles. His job is to protect against heresy, not to invite it into the kingdom, to protect it. And if he doesn't, he's warned in the prophecy of Isaiah that we heard today that he will be eventually thrown out of his office. Well, Father, I think that that's a great point because um, of, of something else that, that Jesus says in this gospel, that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against this kingdom. That's right. The, the, the key here, again, is who Jesus is, 
and what his kingdom is, right? The, the kingdom that Jesus is establishing on earth is the kingdom of heaven. Well, let me tell you something about the kingdom of heaven. It is eternal. And the devil is going to have nothing, no power over it at the end of the day. But of course, of course, on earth, it is under siege. It is under attack because the evil one wants to destroy it. But, 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 but he will not be able to in the end, though men have been put in place to be able to oversee it on earth and struggle to do so, just like the prophecy of Isaiah. So the history of the church being ruled by men is a history, is oftentimes a sad history, because we fail, but the king himself will never fail. Ultimately, Jesus will be victorious, and his kingdom on earth, that is the Catholic Church, will remain forever. We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo. And, Father, if listeners want to check out what's going on over at the Institute of Catholic Culture, and I know there's a lot going on next week, where can they get in touch? We're very excited. A number of really awesome programs coming up. Everything, of course, is free of charge at the Institute of Catholic Culture. Come check this out. Adult education in the faith, all for free. Instituteofcatholicculture.org. And you can find instituteofcatholicculture.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Peter Kraft on Monday on Blaise Pascal. Uh, Bishop Mikhail Moradian of the Armenian Catholic Eparchy of the United States on Friday on the Armenian genocide happening today. And by the way, Father Hezekiah is going to be on Father Mitch's show on Wednesday next week as well. So I hope you can tune in for that on EWTN television. We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up next for most of our affiliates here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Dr. Michael Carter will share the life of Navy Chaplain Vincent Capadano. Laura Curran will give us the latest news from Pregnancy Center Plus. I'll reflect on the gospel for the 21st Sunday of the year. With frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozart Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brozartpharmacy.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. 
We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. I'm Father Dan Schmidtmeyer, Director of Vocations for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Friday, the 25th of August. Let's begin this morning by praying the words of Psalm 146, which we'll hear at Mass today. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. The Lord keeps faith forever, secures justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets captives free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord raises up those who were bowed down. The Lord loves the just. The Lord protects strangers. The fatherless and the widow he sustains, but the way of the wicked he thwarts. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, through all generations. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And since it is his feast today, St. Louis the Ninth pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being with us on a Friday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, we'll get a bit of a scholarly look at Louis IX with Thomas Madden, uh, who happens to uh, be from the area in the middle of America named after St. Louis, St. Louis uh, University. Dr. Matthew Petrusic is going to be along to talk about his new book, Evangelization and Ideology. Bobby Schindler will join us from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. We'll also look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings with Father Jonathan Duncan from the Diocese of Charleston. So lots to get to here on a Friday. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news, a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Good morning. Donald Trump surrendered to authorities in Georgia yesterday after being indicted for alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election in the state. The Fulton County District Attorney is seeking to hold arraignments for all of the defendants in this case the week following Labor Day. Cameras will be allowed in the courtroom for the arraignments. Meanwhile, Donald Trump has become the first former U.S. president now with a mugshot. Mark Mayfield has more. It was taken Thursday night during the booking process at Atlanta's Fulton County Jail and later released. 
Trump was charged for his alleged efforts to overturn the state's 2020 election. He was released on a $200,000 bond. The Trump campaign is now selling T-shirts with a mugshot on it for $47 with the words Never Surrender underneath. This was the fourth criminal case brought against the ex-president this year. I'm Mark Mayfield. Nicaraguan dictator Daniel Ortega's crackdown on the Catholic Church continues. Vatican News reports he has now declared the Jesuit religious order illegal and has ordered all their assets confiscated. This coming in the wake of the closure of a Jesuit-run university last week and the expulsion of Jesuits from a nearby residence earlier this week. The Central American Jesuit province condemned the declaration and called on the Ortega regime to immediately end its systematic repression of the church. The world's biggest tech companies have to follow a sweeping new European law that takes effect today. The European Union's Digital Services Act adds restrictions to everything from social media moderation to targeted advertising and counterfeit goods in e-commerce. It applies to companies including Amazon, Apple, Google, Meta, Microsoft, Snapchat, TikTok, and many others. The law is aimed at concerns that tech credits have raised in recent years, including the spread of misinformation and disinformation, potential harm to mental health, particularly for young people, a lack of transparency, and illegal or fake products on virtual marketplaces. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops has issued an amicus brief to the Supreme Court arguing for upholding a federal law that prevents people under domestic restraining orders from carrying firearms. From Vatican Radio, Eduardo Garibaldi reports. The basic principles of social order reflected in various ways in this nation's historic legal traditions and in Catholic social teaching include the government's role in promoting the common good by protecting human life and dignity. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops thus opened an amicus brief related to a pending Supreme Court case arguing in favor of ratifying a federal law allowing gun bans in domestic violence cases. The document referred to the case of Zaki Rahimi, a Texas man who received a restraining order following a series of violence perpetrated to his girlfriend. While the document recognized the autonomy of the family and other institutions of civil society, it also acknowledged that that same autonomy is not unlimited, calling therefore for law interventions. In fact, the right to keep and bear arms can thus be limited in situations where possession of arms is unusually likely to arm innocent victims instead of helping. The document brought up historical examples demonstrating how individuals could be disarmed when considered dangerous for others, challenging the distinction that was made between protecting society as a whole and protecting individuals. The genuine protection of political and social order is not truly a separate aim from protecting the vulnerable individuals whose moral claim on society is most pressing, bishops claim. I am Eduardo Giribaldi. Bags of frozen vegetables that were sold nationwide are being recalled because they might be contaminated with listeria. The bags of frozen mixed vegetables and sweet corn were sold at close to 4,000 Kroger and Food Lion grocery stores and supermarkets. The FDA has posted a list of the affected lot numbers on its website. And the 2023 college football season gets underway this weekend. Headlining the Saturday kickoff is a showdown between 13th-ranked Notre Dame and Navy in 
Dublin, Ireland. The Fighting Irish and the Midshipmen are meeting for the third time in Ireland with the last game taking place in 2012. Also on the slate is a West Coast showdown between 6th-ranked USC and San Jose State. Reigning Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams will look to lead the Trojans back into the college, college football playoff contention after losing in the Cotton Bowl last year. So just two games this weekend. Only two. And then, Matt, your Tennessee Volunteers face off against Virginia next weekend on Saturday at noon. My Ohio State Buckeyes play Indiana on Saturday at 3.30. And Paul Lockman's Michigan Wolverines. I just said that. I don't know that he really has a dog. Well, I think it's Paul fight. Lockman's UC Bearcats. <laughs> I know. I was going to say the UC Bearcats, but I don't think they play. I don't see them on the list here, Paul. Can you tell me in my ear, do the Bearcats play this weekend? I think he's looking it up. He's, he's, he's going to look it up for me. I don't kind of snuck them. up on us. I don't see them on here in the list of games for... Well, it's tricky. Like I say, I'm still trying to follow baseball this time of year, and it's 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 a little disorienting because, you know, you and I are East Coast, well, not East Coast, Eastern time zone baseball fans, and uh, the team that we root for is currently playing in the Western time zones. And so mm-hmm. it's very disorienting, and I just want to, I don't know. It's 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 hard to follow baseball when it's like that. Maybe so this is, maybe barely have the energy to, to even see what's happening with college football. Paul. Paul says that UC plays Pittsburgh on Saturday. Oh, UC Pitt. That'll be a good one. September 2nd. Yeah, Saturday, September 2nd, uh, not like tomorrow, Saturday. Yeah, Cincinnati versus Pittsburgh. That's always a a heated deal mm-hmm. in any sport. Well, it is the Sunrise Morning Show. We're glad that you're with us on this Friday, the 25th of August. It's eight minutes past the hour. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. Thomas Madden. He is professor of history and director of the Center for Medieval and Renaissance Studies at St. Louis University in St. Louis, Missouri. So if you're going to talk to somebody about St. Louis, I guess he's the guy. Dr. Madden, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Great to be with you. So I guess off the bat, uh, it's important for us to understand because that, that St. Louis the Ninth is not considered a saint in the Catholic Church because he was a flawless administrator, any more than St. Thomas Aquinas is considered a saint because he was particularly intelligent. But what would you say is the basic framework for understanding why the Church elevates this king on this day on the calendar? Um, He was uh, unusual for kings, both of France and and elsewhere. He was a very good and pious man. Um, He cared deeply, really, from his earliest days, um, which he learned from his mother, who was uh, Blanche of Castile, a very pious woman. Um, he learned to, to live a very pious life. He's very devoted to um, the, uh, the Blessed Sacrament. Um, he was an early and often supporter of the mendicant orders, uh, both the Franciscans and the Dominicans. Um, but also he cared, he cared deeply about his people, and that's something that was very unusual in the Middle Ages. Um, he cared about the proper administration of justice. Um, in fact, he would personally listen to uh, his people, um, he would bring he brought the poor into the palace to have meals with him almost every dinner. Um, he had meals with the poor. Um, he would frequently go out and wash the feet of lepers. Um, so it's 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 the kind of person who, when you meet them, they're just very saintly. And even during his life, people knew um, that he would one day be a saint. 
Well, I'm trying to think of even a mayor at a yeah. medium-sized city in the United States doing that kind of thing unless there were cameras around. And as soon as the cameras were done, he'd be done, right? Or she'd be done and off to her next or his next press conference. Um, to, to open up his own home like that, I mean, King Louis was not – he didn't have a photography staff, right? He wasn't worried about hanging out in the Paris Times on the front page above the fold the next day. This is a different kind of guy. No, absolutely. His his audience was God. Um, he wanted to live a life, a holy uh, life, and to be the best uh, king that he could. Now, part of this was, um, behind all of this, was his enormous uh, concern for the Christians of the Holy Land. Um, and, um, and one of his earliest actions as king was to launch a crusade um, after a major massacre of Christians uh, in the Holy Land. Um, and so the, his crusading projects, he went on two crusades in his life and died on the second one. Um, that also was behind the things that he did, because he believed that, that God would give victory in, in the Holy Land to a king who, who truly deserved it. And so that, add, that added to his impetus to want to live um, a truly holy um, life. Well, it is a great mistake. Uh, to try and measure uh, what was going on in the time of King St. Louis by postmodern standards, uh, let alone modern standards, uh, you know, because there were a whole bunch of other things happening. Uh, there was, it's not like King St. Louis could read, you know, Sky News and turn on cable television and, you know, look stuff up on Wikipedia and know every aspect of every nuance of what was happening. What's a good way for us to understand the medieval mood during this crusading period? Um, well, I mean, I, I've written a book on uh, the. It's a short book uh, called the, "The Concise History of the Crusades," and it's written really for almost anyone to, uh, to read. And that tr and that book tries to set um, the Crusades within their medieval framework. Um, they're not we the, most. I think most Catholics, when they think of the Crusades, they they think of really the caricature of the Crusades in the modern era. Um, and if you actually look at the history of what the Crusades were. Um, they're, they look much better than, um, than I think we're usually led to believe. So um, I, would, I would suggest um, having a look at that. And, of course, uh, with any kind of research into the Crusades, it doesn't take long to find the heroes and the villains, you know, who, who embarked on such things, those who, uh, you know, went for holy purposes and those who went for themselves. And, you know, there's... You know, history is full of that kind of thing in, in all kinds of situations. But in terms of what King St. Louis can teach us today, uh, what do you think, uh, as we remember him on this day, uh, and of course he's named, your city is named for him as well as your university, uh, what do you think he can teach us? Well, I think one of the things is humility, and that was the thing that he cared most about. Um, the things that he did were acts of humility, and they were things that that uh, many people didn't know about. For example, he frequently would wear, as a medieval discipline, he would wear hair shirts underneath his rich satins, so that he would be uncomfortable under them to, as a penance for, for his sins. Um, it's very interesting. One of his coins that he minted after um, his first crusade, when he was when he was captured by the Muslims and imprisoned, um, really, it's a show of humility. Most kings would put, you know, their victories on their coins. He put a picture of a jail cell um, with the words etiam regis, which means even kings, because he wanted his people to really see that, you know, humility was part of this life and that, and that coming to Christ 
um, through that um, humility um, was the way forward. Well, thanks so much, Thomas Madden. You can find a link to him at sunrisemorningshow.com. We got traffic and weather. Oh, traffic and weather. We don't have traffic and weather. Can't get traffic for the whole United States of America. We got headlines with Anna Mitchell coming up right after this. It's a quarter past. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. And I wanted to tell you guys how great your show is because uh, I listen to you guys for every, every day for the last past five and a half months. It's because of you guys that I came to the Catholic faith. Now I'm going to church on Sunday for the first time because I just got out yesterday from jail. And I got my mom to go too. And my girlfriend is also going with me. Wow. She's willing to give the Catholic faith a try. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Donald Trump surrendered to authorities in Georgia yesterday after being indicted for alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election in the state. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops has issued an amicus brief to the Supreme Court arguing for upholding federal law preventing those under domestic restraining orders from carrying firearms. And Nicaraguan dictator Daniel Ortega's crackdown on the Catholic Church continues. He's now declared the Jesuits illegal. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, I just posted a video on our Facebook page. Uh, came out with a new one this morning at the Coming Home Network with Father Michael Rainier, who was uh, recently oh, on. I remember him. On the show. He has a book about um, poetry yeah. and the Mass. The, uh, the Mass is like a, an exercise in liturgical poetry. Uh, but the video uh, has a provocative enough title. Uh, it's called From the Megachurch to the Mass. Uh, Father... Michael grew up in a Pentecostal kind of like rock and roll light show, ten songs in a sermon kind of world. Neat. Okay. And he shares a little bit of his experience of um, discovering liturgical worship first as an Anglican, uh, but he um, he says something in there that I thought was very kind of interesting. He said that he was a little bit confused by liturgy the first time he encountered it, but he was also kind of relieved about it because he was kind of a self conscious person. Mm. And yeah. uh, being in the liturgy, it sort of, 
you know, was helpful in that respect. And you might say to yourself, what do you mean uh, the liturgy helps a person who might be self-conscious be not as self-conscious? Well, I mean, aren't you doing a whole bunch of things and somebody might be watching you to see if you get it wrong? Well, first of all, almost nobody is ever watching you to see if you you get it wrong. Uh, But the other thing is everybody kind of knows what they do, knows what they're supposed to do and knows what they're – you know, when they're supposed to kneel and sit and stand. And if you don't know, watch people around you. Whereas in his Pentecostal megachurch context, the self-consciousness manifested in the idea that you had to not just have some kind of emotional experience. Mm-hmm. It had to be sort of visibly demonstrable in your countenance, yeah, in your body language, in all these other ways that you were having this kind of experience. Yes. So um, that everybody can look at you and see, oh, this person is obviously worshiping. Yeah. Um, and and the, the the liturgy relieved him a little bit of that. I, uh, in college, would go to Mass on, on Sunday nights, and on Sunday mornings, I actually attended a Pentecostal church um, with my friends who were all part of... Um, part of this this church on campus and uh, I remember going up to have the pastor pray over me I don't even remember what for was, he, he always he did um, healing prayers during many of the services and I remember him like putting his hand on my head and like literally trying to push me <laughs> because he you know, the the whole, what is that being called? Slain, slain in the, the spirit. spirit thing? So I don't yeah. have much experience of that, Anna Mitchell. But I do have experience of being in a room where everybody's like closing their eyes and smiling and their hands in the air. And I'm like, That's I don't know. Like mean. I'm, yeah. I'm feeling some different emotions. I brought some different stuff. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing about the mass. You bring your whole self in. You take your whole self out. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, not doing the hokey pokey. Exactly. 21 past. For more than two decades, Sacred Heart Radio has filled the local airwaves with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Catholic perspective on issues and events. And because of your participation, we've had the resources to share the ministry of our local clergy and produce the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. But even though you'll soon see the Sunrise Morning Show on video, our work to bring others to Christ has only begun. So please tell everyone you know where locally they'll hear the good news on Sacred Heart Radio and on the Sacred Heart Radio app. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. For over 90 years, the Jesuit Spiritual Center at Milford has enriched the spiritual lives of youth and adults, offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality. Enter into the silence of a weekend retreat and experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 
513-489-0300. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted, quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MADE or at mollymade.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. Three minutes past the hour, you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Very happy to have you along with us on this Feast of King St. Louis IX. Great for us. Dr. Matthew Petrusik is joining us now. He's got a new book from Word on Fire called Evangelization and Ideology, How to Understand and Respond to the Political Culture. Dr. Petrusik, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to have you. I would venture to say that many, if not most of us, have no problem responding to the political culture with a few choice words, if you know what I mean. But I also venture to say that we have not taken the time to understand the political culture. Why do those two things need to go together? Uh, well, I think one of the, the first response is is practical. Uh, things are so heated right now, and I, I don't need to tell you or your audience that um, that it's it's easy, as you suggest, just to respond with anger or with frustration or with exasperation. And so the the first goal of the book is really to try and turn the temperature down a little bit, so we can approach these questions and the questions beneath the questions uh, rationally, and really to communicate the richness and fullness and beauty and intellectual strength and stability of the Catholic intellectual tradition, which has been there for a very, very, very long time and is always relevant. So it's taking the wisdom of the past and really applying it to everything that's going on today. Well, we know that the Catholic Church exists to evangelize. How is the Catholic Church uniquely qualified to evangelize in this present moment? Well, you know, as uh, as Bishop Barrett has, has often pointed out, we, we've done a, a poor job in the in the last several decades of really communicating the the intellectual depth of our faith, and it's, it's really important to keep in mind that the, the Catholic intellectual tradition, especially as it relates to, to the political questions, is based on on natural law, based on universal reason, uh, and so there's. There's tools that we have that can reach across party lines, that can certainly reach across uh, ideological lines, simply by appealing to big T capital T truth. Uh, And so it's really retrieving those resources based in the natural law uh, that can allow us to speak to many different audiences, especially the young at the same time. You've got a chapter in here entitled Stop Fighting and Start Arguing. What do you mean by that? (laughs) Well, uh, fighting, as, uh, as you suggested at the, at the beginning, it really has to do with sort of a disposition to, to just try and win, to, to assert ourselves and to, to exert dominance over the people that we think that are, are wrong. And sometimes that's, that's necessary in order to defend ourselves, but it's not ideal. So arguing as opposed to fighting is really seeking to attain a kind of common position. And I don't mean in the, in the, in the bland sense of just toleration, but really in the, going back all the way to the kind of the uh, thought process we see in Socrates, trying to establish what the truth is by asking questions, refining the, uh, the answers, and getting deeper and deeper into what's actually the case. And so the book also tries to lay out a, a roadmap for, for how to do that. 
uh, which is something that we've certainly lost in uh, in our contemporary politics. Well, we've certainly lost um, any kind of adherence to truth or, or even caring about the truth. So is there a way to get through to people in, in this culture of relativism? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, and so on the one hand, the book seeks to be very hopeful, to say, look, we, we as Catholics do have these resources. They're ancient resources, but they're ever new. And for those who are willing to engage in argument, not, not fight, but argument, there's a lot of progress that we can make, including with, uh, with young people who are not interested at all in the church or think they're not interested, but who are interested in politics. So this is a way to reach them. But the book also seeks to be realistic, recognizing that, as, as you suggest, um, we're, we're in a time where people will be openly hypocritical and put it in your face and just see what you want to do with it. And that we seriously see that in the trans ideology and gender ideology, where open falsehoods are stated and, and uh, the, can see the contradiction, and they, they don't care that they're contradicting themselves. So the book also gives resources for how to live in a culture that doesn't care not only about truth, but about consistency and coherence. Uh, and so it gives some ideas on how to deal with, with that issue as well. Well, what defines ideology? Ideology goes back to, um, it has a specific definition that actually has its roots in, in Marxism um, from, a, from a technical point of view. But the basic idea is that it's any system of thought that wants to give you a sort of a to total way of being and of acting in the world that is severed from God, that is severed from ultimate, that is separate from the ultimate, that is severed from transcendence. And so in that, in that sense, there's lots of different kinds of political ideologies, and the book looks at four of them specifically. Uh, it looks at progressivism and wokeism as one ideology. It looks at utilitarianism. Uh, it looks at what's called classical liberalism, or sometimes um, also known as libertarianism. But it also looks at non-theistic conservatism. And I just mean conservatism, political conservatism, has been severed from a biblical conception of God. And one of the dangers I think we as Catholics have to recognize that as we do engage in the political realm, that we don't slip into being seduced into a political ideology instead of being faithful Catholics. Uh, it's a danger that I'm, I'm constantly aware of, um, especially as things do get heated in the political sphere. But we have to maintain our, our true identity, which is ultimately to Christ and his church. Absolutely. And uh, I'm hoping, Dr. Petrusic, that you will be willing to come back and talk more about some of these ideas and, and the tool belt that we have as Catholics. Um, or the tools to put in the tool belt that we have as Catholics um, in in making this happen, particularly as the uh, the presidential race is already starting <laughs> to heat up here in the United yeah. States. I think these things are all the more important so that we can actually evangelize and bring people to Christ um, rather than just uh, making it worse. So the book Evangelization Amen. and Ideology linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Matthew Petrusic, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. You too. Thank you very much. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Former President Donald Trump has surrendered to authorities in Georgia. He did so yesterday after being indicted for alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election there. The former president had his mugshot taken upon arrival at the Fulton County Jail and was released on a $200,000 bond. The Fulton County District Attorney is seeking to hold arraignments for all the defendants in this case the week following Labor Day, and cameras will be allowed in the courtroom.
Nicaraguan dictator Daniel Ortega's crackdown on the Catholic Church continues as he has now declared the Jesuit religious order illegal. From Vatican Radio, James Bleers reports. The government say they've banned the Jesuits and taken their worldly possessions, claiming they somehow flouted tax laws. The Jesuits responded by saying, this violates human rights and it appears to be aimed at consolidating a totalitarian state. It comes a week after the administration of President Daniel Ortega expropriated the Jesuit-run Central American University and have renamed it Casamiro Sotelo Montenegro National University after a Sandinista leader killed in 1967, a fellow student and contemporary of Daniel Ortega. This action was justified by authorities who claim the university is a centre for terrorism. Then, a house by the university was seized and six Jesuits were thrown onto the street. The Central American Society of Jesus said, We strongly condemn this act of violence against our community and we reaffirm our confidence that the Lord of history will continue to protect the Jesuits of Nicaragua during these difficult times. In February, there was a release of prisoners including seven would-be presidential candidates who were bundled onto a one-way flight out of Nicaragua and to the United States. In April, the Vatican Embassy was closed. A month later, the Red Cross was banned, accused of attacking peace and stability. Vatican Radio, James Blair is reporting. A federal court judge has dismissed a challenge to a West Virginia law restricting the abortion pill. Drug maker Gen Bio Pro filed suit in January against West Virginia's restriction on the abortion drug Mifepristone. The, com- the company makes a generic version of the drug and argued that West Virginia's ban and other restrictions have caused it, quote, significant ongoing economic injury, end quote. U.S. District Judge Robert Chalmers dismissed Gen Biopro's claims that federal law preempts the West Virginia law. The Maui government is suing a utility company for allegedly sparking the deadly Lahaina wildfire. A lawsuit filed yesterday claims Hawaiian Electric Company inexcusably kept their power lines energized earlier this month despite wind and fire warnings from forecasters. The National Weather Service said strong winds could knock down power lines and spark fires that could spread quickly due to dry conditions. An attorney representing Maui County said the lawsuit seeks damages that could total tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. At least 115 people were killed in the fires. Nearly 700,000 homes and businesses in Michigan and Ohio are without power after severe thunderstorms slammed the region with heavy rains, powerful winds, and at least one tornado. The storms charged across southern Michigan into Ohio after midnight, packing wind gusts up to 85 miles an hour and hail as big as an inch and a half. The National Weather Service said a large and extremely dangerous tornado was confirmed last night near Williamston, Michigan, just east of Lansing. Mortgage rates are at a 22-year high. Mark Mayfield reports. Rates soared to 7.3% this week. A year ago, the 30-year fixed rate in the U.S. was just over 5.5%. That's according to data from Freddie Mac. They've been above 6.5 all summer and have been creeping up since mid-July. I'm Mark Mayfield. The world's biggest tech companies will have to follow a sweeping new European law that takes effect today. The European Union's Digital Services Act adds restrictions to everything from social media moderation to targeted advertising and counterfeit goods in e-commerce. 
It applies to companies including Amazon, Apple, Google, Google, Meta, Microsoft, Snapchat, TikTok, and many others. The law is aimed at concerns that tech critics have raised in recent years, including the spread of misinformation and disinformation, potential harm to mental health, and lack of transparency. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. Have you used our QR code to download the Sacred Heart Radio app? The app lets you hear Sacred Heart Radio from anywhere and gives you access to the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast. To get the app, visit sacredheartradio.com and scan the QR code. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. During the hottest of weather, Schneller Knockelman will keep you cool with air conditioning repair, installation, and maintenance. Schneller Knockelman. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of King St. Louis the 9th, Friday, August the 25th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, online at skpha.com. Got another heat advisory in effect for a good part of the listening area today. Right now, temperatures in the mid-70s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be partly cloudy with some isolated afternoon storms possible and a high of 95 degrees. Partly cloudy skies tonight with a slight rain chance and an overnight low of 68. That rain chance continues into tomorrow morning, otherwise partly cloudy with a high of 86. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a mix of clouds and sun with a stray shower or storm today, a high around 91. Partly cloudy with scattered thunderstorms developing after midnight and a low of 70. Showers in the morning tomorrow and a high of 85. This is Sacred Heart Radio. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Bobby Schindler from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. Bobby, good morning. Good morning, Matt. I had a couple things I wanted to ask you about the day, but one is an interesting case that's very much still developing, and we talk all the time about how the medically vulnerable issues you deal with have a lot of overlap with the abortion question due to basically the overarching understanding of a culture of life. Uh, but in this case, uh, you've got much more of a direct connection. I wonder if you could share that with us. Sure. Um, I, I met this family. Uh, gosh, Matt, they were actually following and supporting my sister's case because they had a loved one who had a pretty severe brain injury. So I've known them for close to 20 years. And I actually met the young man who has the brain injury, a wonderful, wonderful young man making a lot of progress. But uh, the sister, who is his caretaker, and along with, along with his mom, had initially had a fight for guardianship because his demands adult children, um, because of his brain injury, were trying to end his treatment. They believed that their father did not want to live with such a poor quality of life and were, were um, contesting or challenging the sister for wanting to take care of him. Now, they had nothing in writing. There was no type of directive, so they were just 
putting out there that they didn't they didn't think their dad would want to live in this type of condition with this type of brain injury. So the the, the sister won guardianship and caring for him uh, and, and loved him unconditionally. She's just a wonderful family. So fast forward, uh, the, the sister is a very uh, staunch pro-lifer. Uh, she was praying in front of a, a abortion clinic recently and was arrested. She actually was put in jail for some time. Well, the kids now are challenging the guardianship again, saying, of all things, that their sister is unfit to care for their, their dad because she was arrested in front of, because she was praying in front of an abortion clinic. So uh, she reached out to us again to help with an attorney and any other support we can offer. And there is a hearing on August 29th. They, the attorney does feel confident this will go nowhere because of the care that she's been providing her brother for so long. But nonetheless, she's worried. Because you never know today, Matt, with these courts and these judges. What if this judge has the mindset uh, that these kids have? Uh, that Who would want to live in this condition and use the arrest as, as a justification for removing her as his guardian and hands it back over to the kids? And if then they would subsequently move to remove or, or uh, end his care. So it is frightening. Uh, please keep her in your prayers, and, and perhaps we can update, update you on, on the results of, of the hearing, uh, which will be uh, next week. Well, hopefully a positive update, but you can see how that could go poorly, right? Uh, well, this person has a criminal record, <laughs> right? Uh, right. So, I mean, this is, I mean, of course, the criminal activity in which this person was involved was uh, literally trying to stand up and help people who are vulnerable. <laughs> so maybe uh, the judge will be like, well, maybe that's actually a mark in your favor, and you should be allowed to help this person in your own life uh, who is vulnerable. But again, I don't trust the courts, man. <laughs> I don't, I, I've seen too many wild things for sure. Uh, but you, you touched on this, and you mentioned it a couple of different times today, and we feel like it comes up all the time. Uh, the question of quality of life, and uh, I know you shared a piece with me um, about this question, this concept of, of quality of life and what we mean by it and how uh, so many of us kind of want to project our understanding of a quality of life onto other people. Right. Well, well Matt, I, I heard it over and over again. I, I continue to hear it today. If you read the comments on our Facebook page, uh the, the, it, it basically comes down to who would want to live in this condition. Well, nobody would choose to live with a disability until you're living with a disability, Matt. I mean, how, how do you make uh, – how, how do you – living as an able-bodied person, how could you ever make a comment that you would not want to live in a certain condition if you're not living in that condition? You have no way of knowing. But yet I think it's what's driving and what's so frightening about this issue because – uh, many of the decisions that are being made in healthcare today, and even who knows, by courts, by people that have this mindset, are being made to whatever it might be to uh, interfere or to even terminate the care or treatment of a person with a brain injury or some other type of medical uh, issue uh, because they think they would not want to live this way. You know, it's interesting, Matt. We we post we post. Dozens and dozens of stories of individuals that have experienced mostly brain injuries, but there's other types of medical situations that recovered at the five the odds. And I have, and I'm sure that they're out there. I'm not saying they're not, but from all the articles that we have published, there is not. I have not found one story 
from a person who's defied odds, who is in these horrible conditions at first because of whatever it is that, that, that caused them to have these such a brain injuries, that have come back and have ever said, oh, I, I wish you would have ended my life. No, it's actually just the opposite. They feel blessed that they had family members that did not give up on them and are doing everything now and, and loving them unconditionally to improve their lives and to do everything they can to, to rehabilitate, uh, to, to, to be able to, to make the progress they need to, to you know, live on their own again if possible. So this whole, this whole who would want to live this way, I, it drives me nuts when I hear it. And it's, it's what motivated uh, Michael Schiavo uh, to convince the court, it was one of the reasons, to, to end my sister's life, because he would, he would constantly be saying that Terry's quality of life was so poor, uh, were, were making her suffer needlessly, and the best thing in her best interest would be to end her life. Yeah, and I just want to make sure that we don't make the mistake of saying uh, or, or that people don't think in hearing us talk about this that our argument uh, is, well, we should be looking out for these people because you never know they might recover. But we should be looking out for these people whether or not they recover. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing uh, because the dignity of the human being does not come from their ability or disability. It's not assigned by the state. It comes from God. It comes from their virtue of being born as a human being and you know gosh we pray for recovery it does happen occasionally a lot of times it does not happen uh you've seen a whole bunch of cases where you know it's not panned out and family just stuck with a family member until uh you know the best natural possible outcome but we defend these people not because we think that they're going to be up and you know walking around this time next week but because they are human beings Right. It's, it's, it's respecting their human dignity, their sanctity of life, their, 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 you know, the, the image that, that we believe were made in, in the image of, of, of God. Uh, but, but I think really, Matt, it, it's what I talk about and have written about before. I think there exists a, a real deep-rooted prejudice against people with disabilities. And, and oftentimes, there, there's really no pushback. I mean, look at the family guy. Look at the skit they made about my sister. And, and the offensiveness and the vulgar nature that was directed towards my sister who had a disability. I mean, they, they were explicit in making fun of her brain injuries and calling her a vegetable and saying she had mashed potato brains, and, and people were sitting back laughing at this. And, and nobody's saying, well, hey, w w step back your thing. W what is actually happening? We're making fun of a person with a disability, and it, it just speaks to this whole, uh, this, again, this terrible attitude we have and, and towards people with disabilities is that justifies terminating and, and, and stopping their care. And, and I see it all the time. I see it in the comments. And it's just it's, it's unfair to these people that experience these injuries that we don't do everything in our power. And it goes back to what you say, respecting their human dignity and do everything we can to love them unconditionally and provide them the care that they need in the hope to, to improve their, their injuries and their lives. Well, thank you for being just vigilant and staying on top of this and keeping this conversation going. Um, there's always something to discuss in regard to it, and not everybody is out there discussing it, <laughs> but uh, the courts are doing it. Uh, individual hospitals are doing it. Individual families are dealing with it. It is not going away, even if it's not in the headlines. So thanks so much, Bobby Schindler. We've got lifeandhope.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Matt. God bless you.
All right, coming up next, we look ahead to the Sunday Mass readings with Father Jonathan Duncan. It's 14 till. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. Are you looking for peace, longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. I feel that God has been really doing a work in me in the last five, ten years. I'm a convert to Catholicism, and I started to just really feel a passion to know more about the Catholic faith, and I started listening to Catholic radio all day. I'm not doing great things, but I'm doing small things with great love. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. If you could invite one saint to join you for dinner, who would it be? You can tell us your story today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Jonathan Duncan, a priest of the Archdiocese. Uh, Archdiocese. I just elevated your... Just elevated your seat. It's priest for the Diocese of Charleston. He's director of spiritual health at Bon Secours St. Francis Hospital, involved with school and college campus ministry as well. Father Duncan, good morning. It's great to be with you, Matt. So we look ahead uh, to the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time, and there are a bunch of different things that one could talk about from an apologetic standpoint, uh, the idea of the keys to the kingdom uh, and of course, you've you you and I both come from situations where we understood this conversation between Jesus and Peter very differently. Uh, but uh, there's also some great stuff in the second reading from Romans 11 uh, about the mystery of God. But uh, what are you planning to focus on? You know, I was thinking about this, and I think the um, the passage from the gospel and the confession of Peter, the the, the giving of the keys. I think that is so significant, and, and maybe not for the reason that, that we typically think about, uh, though I certainly will talk about the vocation of Peter uh, as Kepha uh, in Aramaic, as rock, uh, and how that's the, the ground of the papacy. But, you know, I think really starting from the place that this is the most important question, which is, 
who is Jesus? You know, a lot of people when they, you know, will, will come and talk to me or they find out I'm a Catholic priest, and the first thing they say is, you know, I, I, can't, uh, I, I can't believe any of that stuff you guys believe um, um, because of, and they'll name other issues. You know, they'll, they'll talk about the Church's teaching around sexuality, contraception, it's usually sexuality-related things, um, or uh, the Church's teaching about Mary, or just a whole host of things. And I typically like to just kind of stop them and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. That stuff's important. But before we get to any of that, we have to begin with one question. And, and, and Christianity begins and ends with one question. Who is Jesus of Nazareth? And unless we start and agree on that question, we're never going to agree on all the secondary and tertiary and, and other questions that flow from that. So I think we have to begin with this, who is this Jesus? And that's what I want to invite people before they start weighing into the church's teaching on different things. I say, no, 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 no. Before we can talk about evolution or science or all of these other things, first, who is Jesus? And that is the question. Because when we understand Jesus as the Son of God and Son of Mary, and then when we begin to understand from there, so that's kind of the first response is that, I, you know, I have to have a response to Jesus and the person of Jesus. But then we look in our gospel reading and we see that this Lord Jesus has given us a gift, and the gift is a church. So he says to Peter, you know, you are, you are the rock, and on this rock I will build my church. So the question is, where can I find? So once you confess that, that Jesus is the Son of God and Son of Mary, then you have to go from there and say, okay, how do I find him now? I, I can't, how, how do I find him now? And of course, the answer to that is I find him in the communion of his friends, in this um, hell-conquering church that he's promised to the world. And so you go from there right into the church, and it's from there that we find within the church he's also given a gift of a rock of Peter, of the role of the papacy, as someone to be a central witness to that basic proclamation of the gospel, that Jesus is Son of God and Son of Mary, that Jesus is Lord, is Savior, is risen from the dead. And at the center of the Church, there is uh, the one, there is the role of Peter, the rock, Kepha. Does it mean in the Church's history that both the Church as a whole and also that, that Kepha, you know, if you follow a few verses in the gospel, you'll see that Peter, in just a few verses, gets called not a rock by the Lord, but a stumbling stone, a scandalon in Greek, which means a scandal, something you trip over. And so sometimes our, our popes in our history have been solid kephas, and sometimes they have been stumbling blocks. And you can look look up the histories of Pope Urban VI and Pope Alexander VI and, and, and others who have been just a, a scandal to the Church. But still he's promised that this communion of his friends is, is conquering hell and will conquer hell and will not be able to be overcome by the powers of darkness. But at the center of our life is this confession of Jesus is Lord. Yeah. Well, in my limited yeah. knowledge of church history, I've not found either the stumbling block or the solid rock. I've usually found both and just about every guy on a typical Tuesday, <laughs> right? I mean, this is kind of the Christian, the Christian That's reality, you know, is, is, is we are all trying to figure out how to be rocks and ending up 
being stumbling stones, um, and, and we see it all in a nutshell. But, you know, I was, I was thinking about this question, you know, who is Jesus and why does that question matter so much? It might have been Knox. I can't, I can't even – I never remember who it was that actually said this, but, uh, you know, asked about all those crazy things that you just mentioned and, uh, you know, saying if you can believe that God became man, this other stuff is all pretty pretty small <laughs> by comparison. Uh, I, I, I was – there was this meme rolling around this week um, – there's a quote from a, a, I think it was a Disciples of Christ pastor, and uh, his, he was saying, Jesus was crucified for standing up to the empire, not to atone for the sins of humanity. As a way of repositioning Jesus as a, you know, Jesus' real gift to the world is that he stood up to authority structures or whatever. Well, he did some of those things, but the bigger gift uh, is his atoning for the sins of humanity. I mean, people have all kinds of things they want to say Jesus is, all kinds of problems they want Jesus to solve for them, all kinds of ways that they want to position Jesus inside of their narrative to kind of argue for the thing they want to argue for. But if you don't get this piece, if you don't say you what Peter says, you. you've missed you've missed it all. Because ultimately the empire he stood up to was the empire that was behind every corrupt empire, which is the empire of sin and death. And the only way that empire could be brought down was through a sacrificial, faithful death, through his sacrifice, through God's own self-gift. That's the thing. And here's, here's the deal. If Jesus is not who he says he is, if he's not that atoning sacrifice, the Son of God and Son of Mary, then what does it matter what you do about contraception and who you sleep with? If, if he's not Lord, none of those things matter. But if he is, in everything we do. Yes. Yeah. If he's not do Lord, do whatever father. you want on the internet, right? Treat Absolutely. the people in traffic however you want to treat them, right? Uh, you know, rob, steal, cheat, <laughs> you know, alienate your family, you know, drink as much as you want if this stuff isn't real. But if it is real, everything uh, you do matters. Yeah. Everything matters. So, good stuff, Father Jonathan Duncan. Have a great day. That wraps it up for the Sunrise Morning Show on this Friday, the 25th of August. Many of you got great content coming up on your local Catholic radio stations, courtesy of either your local Catholic radio stations or EWTN. But we'll talk to you on the Sunrise Morning Show on Monday. I'm Matt Swain. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Now, Sacred Heart Radio has our own smart speaker channel. Playing Sacred Heart Radio. Yes, now when you ask your smart speaker to play Sacred Heart Radio, it will immediately play our stream without some of the inappropriate commercial content that you had to sit through from the tune-in connection. So, at any time of the day or night, to hear Sacred Heart Radio loud and clear, ask your smart speaker to play Sacred Heart Radio. A Mass with the Anointing of the Sick will be held on Labor Day, September 4th at 11 a.m. at St. Antoninus Church in Western Hills. If you are seeking physical, emotional, or spiritual healing, we encourage you to come or to stand in for someone who is in need. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, Drs. David and Michael Rothen, have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The Twin Dental Doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation 
foundation to implants, and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. I'm Father Jacob Verges from St. Peter and Paul, California, Kentucky. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue on this Friday, the 25th of August. It is the Feast of King St. Louis IX. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O Lord, listen to our prayer. For those who feel hopelessly trapped by the habits of sin, grant them forgiveness and peace. For those who fear your anger, show them also your love. For those who delay examining their decisions and habits, let them see how quickly life passes. Gracious and merciful God, you heard the groans of a world that labors under the weight of sin, and you sent your only Son to lift its burden from humanity's shoulders by taking it upon his own. Hear the prayers of sinners and the victims of sin, and deliver us by the power of his cross. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. King St. Louis IX, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being along here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Anna Mitchell, I just realized one of these days we are going to hit a major dilemma. What's that? The dilemma is one of these days it's going to be August 25th, and there's going to be a pennant race. And on the King, the feast of King St. Louis IX, oh, the yeah, Reds will be playing it. the Cardinals. Don't even say it, Matt. I don't know how far ahead it's going to happen. I'm sure it's happened before, but one of these days, there's going to be like a half-game spread between the, them and us, either in the wild card or the NL Central. And we're going to have to pray for the intercession of King St. Louis the Ninth, after whom St. Louis is named. Well, it's not this year, so it's fine. I didn't even see who the Cardinals are playing, but I, uh, 
I wouldn't want to be them. Somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to go do a stat track record of how the Cardinals have done historically on August twenty fifth. At any rate, oh, Paul. Sounds like a job, a job for, for Paul, Paul Lockman. That is a job for Paul. I like that. The St. Louis Cardinals record on August on the... 25th. Yeah, that's good. There you go. At any rate, I digress. I don't but... know. You know, think about the Apostles Feast Days, and you know how, like, the gospel is always something that, like, makes them look it's bad. It's like shows them in a really bad light. Yeah, so maybe. It's like, happy feast of St. So-and-so. Here's the dumbest thing they said in the entire gospel mm-hmm. of Matthew. <laughs> Yeah. So who knows? Maybe it's like Maybe they King lose. St. Louis is like, he's so committed to humility. Yeah. You but he wants his know. team to lose. I don't know. Every, every, I don't know. It's possible. Worthy of discussion. Well, speaking of discussion, we'll talk more about King St. Louis the Ninth with Amy Giuliano. Joseph Pierce will be along as well. Also, Father Hezekiah Carnazzo to preview the Sunday Mass readings. So stay with us if you can take it. Three minutes past. Here's Anna with news. It's a service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Good morning. Donald Trump surrendered to authorities in Georgia yesterday after being indicted for alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election in the state. The Fulton County District Attorney is seeking to hold arraignments for all the defendants in the case the week following Labor Day. Cameras will be allowed in the courtroom for the arraignments. Meanwhile, Donald Trump has now become the first US, former U.S. president with a mugshot. Mark Mayfield reports. It was taken Thursday night during the booking process at Atlanta's Fulton County Jail and later released. Trump was charged for his alleged efforts to overturn the state's 2020 election. He was released on a $200,000 bond. The Trump campaign is now selling T-shirts with a mugshot on it for $47 with the words Never Surrender underneath. This was the fourth criminal case brought against the ex-president this year. I'm Mark Mayfield. Nearly 700,000 homes and businesses in Michigan and Ohio are without power after severe thunderstorms slammed the region with heavy rains, powerful winds, and at least one tornado. The storms charged across southern Michigan into Ohio after midnight, packing wind gusts up to 85 miles per hour and hail as big as an inch and a half. The National Weather Service said a large and extremely dangerous tornado was confirmed last night near Williamston, Michigan, which is east of Lansing. Nicaraguan dictator Daniel Ortega's crackdown on the Catholic Church continues. Vatican News reports he's now declared the Jesuit religious order illegal and has ordered all their assets confiscated. This coming in the wake of the closure of a Jesuit-run university last week and the expulsion of Jesuits from a nearby residence earlier this week. The Central American Jesuit province condemned the declaration and called on the Ortega regime to immediately end its systematic repression of the church. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has issued an amicus brief to the Supreme Court arguing for upholding a federal law that prevents people under domestic restraining orders from carrying firearms. From Vatican Radio, Eduardo Garibaldi reports. The basic principles of social order reflected in various ways in this nation's historic legal traditions and in Catholic social teaching include the government's role in promoting the common good by protecting human life and dignity. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops thus opened an amicus brief related to a pending Supreme Court case arguing in favor of ratifying a federal law allowing gun bans in 
domestic violence cases. The document referred to the case of Zaki Rahimi, a Texas man who received a restraining order following a series of violence perpetrated to his girlfriend. While the document recognized the autonomy of the family and other institutions of civil society, it also acknowledged that that same autonomy is not unlimited, calling therefore for law interventions. In fact, the right to keep and bear arms can thus be limited in situations where possession of arms is unusually likely to arm innocent victims instead of helping. The document brought up historical examples demonstrating how individuals could be disarmed when considered dangerous for others, challenging the distinction that was made between protecting society as a whole and protecting individuals. The genuine protection of political and social order is not truly a separate aim from protecting the vulnerable individuals whose moral claim on society is most pressing, bishops claimed. I am Edoardo Giribaldi. 8.07 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Find them online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Ackman. Yeah, this one stung last night, and uh, no pun intended. Uh, Reds fall to the D-backs yesterday, 3-2 to two in the opener in Phoenix. Alex Young got the uh, loss in relief after giving up two runs in the eighth inning. Nick Senzel back with the team. He crushed a pitch hit. Solo home run. Tyler Stevenson also drove in a run. Reds sit at 67-62. and 62. Need to get back in the win column tonight, taking on the Diamondbacks again. Reds also uh, have put their uh, future Hall of Famer Joey Votto on the 10-day injured list with a left shoulder discomfort yesterday. The 39-year-old has played in 51 games after making his uh, season debut on uh, June the 19th. Votto's only batting 200 but does have 13 home runs and 33 uh, runs batted in. FC Cincinnati back in action at TQL Stadium and will host New York City over the weekend on Saturday, and uh, the Bengals will close out preseason tomorrow night taking on the Washington Commanders. If you're uh, in the mood for football, we do have football tonight as the Elder Panthers back in action. They're trying to recover from a uh, week one loss to Pickering North. Pickerington North, they will take on St. Newman and Goretti at, uh, this is a Pennsylvania school. St. Newman and Goretti? Yep. That is, uh, that's what is Saint, on. Spell Newman. N-E-U-M-A-N-N, like the two N's, like uh, yours Saint truly. Saint Neumann Goretti. Neumann, yeah. Neumann and Goretti. Goretti. And. There's an and in there, or the, the symbol of it. Huh. I know. Pennsylvania. Interesting. So they, I wonder how they got that name. I, uh. I mean, in Philadelphia, of course, that's where they got right. Neumann slash Newman. But I wonder where, because Maria Goretti. Is right. Italian, and uh, she's not like from Pennsylvania, the, like yeah. Neumann is. The Skyline Chili Crosstown Showdown schedule will have Mason at Oak Hills. Mm. Just so you know. Cool. There you go. Um, I have one correction for you. You did not make a pun at the beginning. Stung. Yeah. Oh, Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks bite. They huh. don't sting. Are you sure? A diamond, a bee would sting. Yeah. A Diamondback would bite. I guess I guess that's so true. So you could I, you have know, said this really point. bites, yeah, and that would have been good a point. pun. Yeah, just 
point of some '90s lo- lingo. Right <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think that that that, that goes against uh, our uh, our our Catholic radio. Line. That's pretty much a uh, that's a cuss word. My favorite, well, yeah, my favorite <laughs> class in college was called Precision Language, and so interesting. I'm, uh, yeah. Probably the most influential class on me too. Yeah, I was about to say that. Uh, that intrigues me, huh? Huh? Intrigues nice. there. Yeah. Hopefully, I, I get accepted into the class. I, I'll look into that more than intensive, intensive grammar class. I'd rather look into that I than look into it. what the Cardinals have done and on I hope, August the twenty fifth. I hope my sister Maggie's listening because I think it was her favorite class in journalism school as well. Well, there. You well, go. I shouldn't make that statement for her, but I'm sure she loved it. Well, that's. That's good. It, it, she and I like to talk about grammar. It's intrigued me, for sure. Yeah. Intrigue is a is an appropriate word. I can't keep using it over and over again. It, yeah, it yeah. You don't want to get redundant, right? Yep. Redundant. See, exactly. Uh, anything with more than three syllables. All right, let's get to traffic. Redundant a, is three syllables. I, well, yeah, more. I was saying more. Yeah, that, but that uh, <laughs> good point. Good point. You got me again. <laughs> I'll stick to the sports okay, desk. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm Gosh, being You're the mean. college educated one. I'm I, you being know. so mean. I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. That kind. was not nice of me. <laughs> well, no, you just picked me off uh, to go with a baseball term. All right, uh, let's get to traffic or now. Football. Uh, yeah, true. Football. Interception. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, okay, we're getting to traffic. Larkin Cobb Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC at Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. They are a traffic sponsor, and we are proud of them. What you got, Anna? Yes, and uh, not terrible on the interstates after a few days of pretty bad traffic. Uh, today is a lot better. Southbound 75, you're slowing through the Lachlan split. Northbound 71, 75, you're on the brakes from 275 up toward Dixie Highway, so uh, not too bad there. And everywhere else seems to be moving pretty well, at least at the moment. Now for weather. Still going to be hot today. Partly cloudy skies in Cincinnati under a heat advisory in uh, the counties surrounding Cincinnati today. Isolated afternoon thunderstorms possible with a high of 95. Partly cloudy tonight with a slight rain chance and an overnight low of 68. Morning storm chance tomorrow, then partly cloudy with a high of 86. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a mix of clouds and sun with a stray shower or storm possible, high around 91. Partly cloudy this evening with scattered thunderstorms expected to develop after midnight with an overnight low of 70. Showers in the morning tomorrow, then partly cloudy in the afternoon with a high of 85 degrees. Today is Friday, August the 25th, the Feast of King St. Louis the Ninth. Pray for us. 13 past now. Matt. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Joseph Pierce, visiting professor of literature at Ave Maria University, visiting fellow of Thomas More College of Liberal Arts, with the Augustine Institute, St. Austin Review, a whole bunch of other stuff. But you can find him at all, at, in all those capacities at jpierce.co. Joseph, good morning. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm doing well. And today we get to talk about Edward VI finishing up his reign. Uh, where do you want to pick up today? Well, I think we discussed last time uh, the abolition of the mass. 
uh, uh, and the uh, rebellion, the, the, the uprisings across the country um, uh, by the people of England uh, in defence of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and, and the way that, that those rebellions were put down uh, brutally. So we could take it from there or from immediately thereafter. Well, I want to talk about the way that the poor were treated in this world and uh, the you know, kind of heavy-handedness of Edward VI and, and how all this kind of played out. How was this taken by the uh, passionate peasantry, as Belloc and Chesterton might call them? Yeah, so basically, you know, as well as being a war on the church, the so-called English Reformation was a war on the poor. First of all, the monasteries were the places where the poor received relief. They were basically the hospitals, the uh, the care homes, the place where beggars could find support, uh, the, the, the schools such as they were. were they, again, these were all rooted in the monastic system. But the other crucial thing for the sustenance of economic life for the for, for the uh, the country folk of England and the, and the folks in the town were the um, common land and the guilds. So the guilds were, were basically associations which, which protected uh, craftsmen in the towns. And the common lands were basically, as, as the name implies, was land which was, was, didn't belong to anybody. It was uh, basically just belonged to the community. And this allowed the poor who didn't own land, to keep livestock so they could actually graze their, graze their, graze their livestock there. And this, this was absolutely, of course, crucial to their economic livelihood and sustenance. And what Edward VI did, apart from, of course, his father destroyed the monasteries, um, he impoverished the remainder of the churches um, by, by basically taking all the, all the gold, impoverishing the, um, the clergy. But they also... Um, uh, banned the guilds, the guild system, uh, and they enclosed the common land. In other words, they gave the common land to the rich, who had already enriched themselves with the, with the church land. They now gave the common land, which was the only place the poor could actually uh, uh, sustain themselves on. They also enclosed that for the, for the use of the rich uh, exclusively. So this was, you know, the, the so-called Protestant Reformation in, in, in England, the English Reformation, was really a, a plutocratic imposition of Machiavellian rule upon the people of England. You know, it's interesting that you bring the guilds into this because there is a sort of a a secularization that, that, that is kind of implied in the hit on the guilds. And somebody might say, well, what does that even mean? <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't even know exactly how to unpack it, uh, but I know... I know what things sort of used to look like and what they look like now. You know, every now and then when a Saints Feast Day comes up, I'll pull them up and I'll, you know, look at their patronages and, you know, maybe their patron saint of, you know, mothers or patron saint of people with like a toe disease or something. But uh, very often I'll run across the fact that they're patron saint of the worshipful company of shipwrights or the worshipful company of plumbers, right, or the worshipful company of leather sellers or something like that. All these groups of people kind of had like these sort of senses that their work was tied to the life of the church. And if you've cut yourself off from the universal church, that kind of like unmoors you from those things a little bit. Yes, exactly. There was there was an, an interweaving of, should we say, the uh, the economic life of the ordinary people and their religious life. So the guilds would um, sponsor, for instance, uh, stained glass windows in churches. They would they they would have uh, processions on the major uh, Catholic feast days, a Corpus Christi, for instance. The guilds would be responsible for. Uh, 
sort of uh, the the festivities. And so, you know, apart from uh, ensuring uh, the economic sustenance of the people, they were very much part of the actual social and cultural fabric of Catholic England. So, of course, an attack upon the guilds was an attack upon this solidarity between the people and church. And that was the whole point, of course, of this Machiavellian uh, coup coup, which effectively what the English Reformation was. They wanted to destroy the power of the church and the power of the people, and had, in, and, and ironically, for, 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 for people that don't understand history, the power of the church and the power of the people went hand in hand. So they had to be both destroyed so that we could have this new class uh, of, of basically unprincipled uh, plutocrats to, to take over. I'm, I'm looking some of these up, by the way. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Maybe you already did, actually, that St. Crispin is the is the patron saint of the worshipful company of cordwainers. I had to look up what a cordwainer was. It's someone who makes a uh, shoe out of new leather, right? Uh, you, you know, I, I do run across this every now and then when I've traveled up, uh, uh, out of the country. And I don't know if this ever happened with you. And you go to uh, you know Latin America or Africa or some places uh, where there's much more of kind of an evangelical presence. But you'll see... Uh, stores and the stores will be named things like the Praise Be to Jesus Christ Bicycle Repair Shop. And I'm like, ah, there's there's something of that, you know, perhaps being recaptured. Uh, but in terms of, you know, kind of the longer effect of, of Edward VI and these crackdowns and these land seizures and, and all of it, I mean, what does this set the stage for uh, as in terms of what's coming next? Well, the, the point is, of course, that the people have risen and been put down brutally. They they really despise the rule of, of the boy king, and who's really a puppet of the Earl of Warwick. Um, and and they rejoice. There's there's universal rejoicing, except for the handful of Protestant fanatics. There's universal rejoicing in the people of England when Mary Tudor becomes queen uh, upon the death of uh, Edward VI. He was a sickly child. He never reached adulthood by the, as a teenager. So, um, you know, um, we then have the, the, the stage set for the rest. You know, Mary Tudor's a devout Catholic. So we have, we have the stage set, if you like, for a, a radical return to the status quo ante, shall we say. Well, luckily, when Mary took the throne, England was Catholic again, and it's all worked out ever since. So, uh... Uh, alas. <laughs> if, if only well you know that's really kind of the the doorstep i wanted to get us to here so that we can figure out what kind of situation was in place when mary who's probably one of the most slandered figures in english history uh takes the throne so i uh, looking forward to that conversation next joseph thank you so much my pleasure matt god bless you please go to jpierce.co find joseph center sanctum and all the great stuff that he's got uh, the books he's written, of course, we've been walking through Faith of Our Fathers, A History of True England. It's all linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Got traffic and weather next. It's 21 past. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith, and Dr. Michael Carter will share the life of Navy Chaplain Vincent Capadano. Laura Curran will give us the latest news from Pregnancy Center Plus. I'll reflect on the gospel for the 21st Sunday of the year. With frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Driving home the faith. Good food can still be fast food. 
Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has a convenient online store at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. They're all your favorite prepared foods like their delicious homemade soups, beef barbecue, chicken and stuffing, and sweet potato casserole, all available at a click of a button for same-day pickup. They also have high-quality fresh meats like pork, veal, chicken, beef, and seafood, and even produce. Fast, convenient shopping on the go at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. For over 50 years, the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul has been providing food, clothing, rent, and utility assistance to people in six counties of Southern Ohio. You can join the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul in helping our neighbors with a monetary or vehicle donation, which is simple and easy. 800-322-8284 or donate online at runforthepoor.org. Before St. John Henry Newman died in 1890, he said of the Eucharist, a cloud of incense was rising high. The people suddenly all bowed low. What could it mean? It was the Lord incarnate who was on the altar. It was the great presence which makes a Catholic church different from every other place in the world, which makes it, as no other place can be, holy. Thank God for the Catholic church. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Precious Blood Father, Kevin Scalf. 23 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Still slowing down on southbound 75 as you head through the Lachlan split. Northbound 7175 is getting a little better, but still kind of heavy from 275 up toward Dixie Highway. Now for weather. Heat advisory in effect today for many counties in our listening area. So be careful if uh, you have issues with breathing and the like. Partly cloudy skies today. Isolated afternoon storms in Cincinnati as well with a high of 95. Partly cloudy with a slight rain chance tonight and overnight low of 68. Morning storm chance tomorrow and then partly cloudy skies with a high of 86. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a mix of clouds and sun today with a stray shower or storm possible, a high around 91. Partly cloudy with scattered thunderstorms developing after midnight and an overnight low tonight of 70. Showers tomorrow morning, then partly cloudy in the afternoon with a high of 85. Amy Giuliano joins us next. It's 24 past. Do you go to sacredheartradio.com to get the show notes? Then you know the show notes is where you'll see the guest featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith for today and previous days. And now you can find and hear an interview again just by hovering over the podcast markers. So for the links to the resources you hear about and to hear an interview again, get it by checking out the show notes every day at the new sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirmed. 
St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. For Catholics, being united with God for eternity is the goal of earthly life. A Catholic cemetery is sacred because it holds our bodies, once temples of the Holy Spirit, until the Lord comes again. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati has consecrated Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery to provide this ministry and remind us that life is not ended, but changed. Today, you can ensure that you and your loved ones are interred in accordance with your faith. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. Welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Amy Giuliano, she's a digital media specialist for the Institute of Catholic Culture. She has degrees in theology from the Angelicum in Rome and art history from Yale and regularly contributes sacred art essays to the Magnificat. She's founder of Vadis VR, which provides virtual tours of sacred sites. Amy, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Annie. It's good to have you. So August 25th is the feast of King St. Louis IX, and there is so much to be said about his life and his reign as king. Uh, The one that I want to talk about with you is a church that folks can visit today in Paris, Sainte-Chapelle. Why Mm -hmm. did St. Louis IX want to build this church? So St. Louis IX, he was a deeply devout king of France, and he actually acquired the relics of Christ's crown of thorns from his cousin, uh, the Latin emperor of Constantinople, Baldwin II. And so he commissioned the, the building of the Sainte-Chapelle, functioning as a, a reliquary, a really beautifully ornate reliquary for such a precious artifact. So veneration of the crown of Christ was kind of the French king's way of showing allegiance to the king of kings. And we know that during the fire in Notre Dame in 2019, the crown um, was saved from Notre Dame. So it was housed in Saint-Chapelle for many years up until the the French Revolution and very wisely was hidden at that time, later put on display in Notre Dame, and then it did survive the fire. Wow. Now, for those who have not looked at a picture of Saint-Chapelle, how was a church like that built in the 13th century? Sure. It's quite impressive. So I do teach art history, and I try to tell my students the two things you need to remember about the Gothic period and Gothic art and architecture. You're going to think of height and light. How did they achieve these soaring high buildings and the beautiful light that floods into them? Well, before the and uh, before and during really the 11th century, churches were built in a style called Romanesque, and it's kind of characterized by the use of heavy stone columns, rounded arches, barrel vaults, um, and these rounded arches. They were kind of necessary to support the immense weight of these structures. The structures feel very grounded. So the period that followed the Romanesque uh, was the Gothic, and we see. In the emergence of the Gothic style, 
there are some new and more advanced techniques and innovations that were also emerging. Uh, they came together for the first time in France, especially with Abbot Suger of uh, Saint-Denis. If you go, it's still in Paris. It's the burial place of the French kings. Beautiful church. And he kind of introduces this new Gothic style. And one of the great innovations and kind of the key innovation of the Gothic style that allowed a church like that to be built about 100 years later was the development of the, the pointed arch. So wow. because of the pointed arch, Gothic churches were able to have much larger windows than had previously been possible. So how do you get light into these churches? That was a real interest. To get light in, you build high walls for like, like a really vast open space within you're going to build these strong interlocking ribbed vaults with pointed arches above. And again, that, that's going to direct the weight down without relying so much on the walls for support. And you're going to brace those walls from without, not from within. So you're going to think of like the, the flying buttresses outside mm-hmm. of the structure to push up on those walls to, to reinforce them. And then when you don't have those weighty, thick walls, uh, you're not relying on them. Uh, you can replace them with glass. You get these tall, airy windows. So that's how they did it. These amazing architectural innovations allowed them to. Wow. Real pure use of faith and reason, I think, when, uh, <laughs> or faith and science, I guess you could say. That's that's so incredible. So when you look at Saint-Chapelle, the first thing you have to think of are all of those stained glass windows. What all is mm. pictured in them? Sure. They're presenting the scenes of Christian history in chronological order uh, from the book of Genesis and through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, and they even include scenes of uh, Louis IX processing with the crown of thorns, his acquisition of the relics, and then his procession to Saint-Chapelle with the relics. So they kind of go from Genesis all the way through history up until that point. And then the rose window on the western end uh, features scenes from the end of time. The Sistine Chapel, I'd say, is is the best comparison where we see all of salvation history kind of arcing above us and culminating in the last judgment on the western wall. Uh, That's what we're seeing at Saint-Chapelle. Amy, what is it like to step into this church? Oh, my goodness. So when you enter the main chapel, you're in a room where the walls are made almost entirely of glass. So it feels kind of otherworldly as this natural daylight is shining through uh, the windows and bathing the entire church in kind of like a pinkish, purplish glow, kind of bluish sometimes. It depends on the light. That's what's so interesting. Um, It's like walking through a kaleidoscope, a prism, because the light is is kind of changing as the sun is arcing across the sky. The clouds are rolling in and out. It's a very dynamic experience. The architects, are they engaged with the natural phenomenon of light to uh, bring the space to life through this interaction of light with colored glass. So the walls, uh, they're, let's see, I can remember all my numbers. There's over... 7,200 square feet of glass. Um, that's not even oh. counting the rose window at the end. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. I know. And then they're divided into these 15 stained glass bays. So 15 big bays of stained glass. Each are uh, about 50 feet high. And throughout the space, you have over 1,100 stained glass panels within the windows. I'm depicting these different scenes, again, that I said from, from Genesis onwards. And I think what's interesting about that, 
especially for us us as Catholics, is to think about the metaphysics of light, the theology behind the kind of the why. Why are they doing this? We, we talked about the innovations and how they were able to do it, but why did they want to make a space that's so filled with light? And we think about 1 John 1, 5, God is light. In his light we see light. That's from uh, Psalm 36. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Of course, that's John's prologue. We know that God dwells in unapproachable light. That's from the scriptures. And created light is a really powerful metaphor for the uncreated light of God. So the architects, they were aiming to flood this interior with light, both clear and colored, and fill the interior with, um, if you go in, you see gold, jewels, polychrome, I mean, painted statues, accents of gold leaf. So everything inside is going to also be reflecting this light. So we have the verticality of the structure that's that's raising the, the mind and heart to, to soar to the heights, to seek the things that are above. Uh, you have the beauty of this space. It's directing our gaze to beauty himself and, and the light that's pouring in. It's transporting us from material things to immaterial things. Um, I like to note that Aquinas, he has a few uh, different adjectives to describe something that's considered beautiful. Um, and one of the things that it must have, he says, is claritas, clarity, radiance, luminosity. And that's key here at Saint Chapelle. Quite clearly, pun intended. Thank you so much, Amy Giuliano. Go to Vadis VR to uh, see some of the virtual tours that she has of sacred sites. And uh, if you've never seen a picture of Saint-Chapelle, go look it up. S-A-I-N-T-E and then Chapelle, C-H-A-P-E-L-L-E. It just means holy chapel in French. And it is cosmic. 8.35 now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Donald Trump has surrendered to authorities in Georgia. He did so yesterday after an indictment for his alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election in the state. Fulton, the Fulton County District Attorney is seeking to hold arraignments for all of the defendants in this case the week following Labor Day. Cameras will be allowed in the courtroom. Nicaraguan dictator Daniel Ortega's crackdown on the Catholic Church continues, and he has now declared the Jesuit religious order illegal. From Vatican Radio, James Bleers reports. The government say they've banned the Jesuits and taken their worldly possessions, claiming they somehow flouted tax laws. The Jesuits responded by saying, this violates human rights and it appears to be aimed at consolidating a totalitarian state. It comes a week after the administration of President Daniel Ortega expropriated the Jesuit-run Central American University and have renamed it Casimiro Sotelo Montenegro National University after a Sandinista leader killed in 1967, a fellow student and contemporary of Daniel Ortega. This action was justified by authorities who claim the university is a center for terrorism. Then, a house by the university was seized and six Jesuits were thrown onto the street. 
the Central American Society of Jesus said, we strongly condemn this act of violence against our community and we reaffirm our confidence that the Lord of history will continue to protect the Jesuits of Nicaragua during these difficult times. In February, there was a release of prisoners including seven would-be presidential candidates who were bundled onto a one-way flight out of Nicaragua and to the United States. In April, the Vatican Embassy was closed. A month later, the Red Cross was banned, accused of attacking peace and stability. Vatican Radio, James Blair's reporting. Federal court judge has dismissed a challenge to a West Virginia law restricting the abortion pill. Drugmaker GenBioPro filed suit in January against West Virginia's restrictions on the abortion drug Mifepristone. The company makes a generic version of the drug and argued that the West Virginia ban and other restrictions have caused a, quote, significant ongoing economic injury, end quote. U.S. District Judge Robert Chalmers dismissed the claims that federal law preempts the West Virginia law. Nearly 700,000 homes and businesses in Michigan have been without power after severe thunderstorms slammed the region with heavy rains, powerful winds, and at least one tornado. The storms charged across southern Michigan into Ohio after midnight packing wind gusts up to 85 miles an hour and hail as big as an inch and a half. The National Weather Service said a large and extremely dangerous tornado was confirmed last night near Williamston, Michigan, just east of Lansing. Mortgage rates are at a 22-year high. Mark Mayfield reports. Rates soared to 7.3% this week. A year ago, the 30-year fixed rate in the U.S. was just over 5.5%. That's according to data from Freddie Mac. They've been above 6.5 all summer and have been creeping up since mid-July. I'm Mark Mayfield. 8.39 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Yeah, disappointing uh, loss last night for the Cincinnati Reds. 3-2, a close one to the Diamondbacks in the uh, opening game of the series. Nick Senzel, though, hit a pitch hit solo home run while Tyler Stevenson also drove in a run. Reds got six scoreless innings from rookie Brandon Williamson. So a lot of good things in the loss, though. Well, Reds will try to rebound tonight as the series continues in Phoenix. Meanwhile, Reds are uh, putting their future Hall of Famer first baseman on the injured list. Joey Votto is... uh, Going to be on the uh, injured list for the foreseeable future with a left shoulder injury. The 39-year-old has played 51 games this season. Uh, since making his debut on June the 19th, Votto batting 200 with 13 home runs and 33 runs batted in. FC Cincinnati is back in action tomorrow, taking on New York City at uh, TQL Stadium. Cincinnati still leads the MLS uh, with 51 points. Also tonight, How about some elder Panther football Panthers back at the pit and looking for their first win of the season. They're welcoming in St. Neumann and Goretti. And that game will take place at seven o'clock. You can hear pregame right here on Sacred Heart Radio starting at 630 and kickoff will be at seven. You can also hear the game here on Sacred Heart Radio. That's a look at sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Homegrown is better. 
Hi, Bill Levitt here, and for more than two decades, Sacred Heart Radio has filled the airwaves of Cincinnati, Dayton, and Covington with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Catholic perspective on important issues and events. And because you participated from day one, we've had the resources to share the ministry of many local priests and deacons and to broadcast the numerous spiritual events occurring throughout the tri-state. Now, recently, with hundreds of you responding to our listener survey, we not only have the data to add more of the content you want to hear, but we also sent out over 500 of our T-shirts and bumper magnets to give you the swag to show others where they can hear Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. But even though we'll soon grow to seven media platforms when the Sunrise Morning Show goes to video, our work to bring others to Christ has only just begun. So please keep telling your neighbors, co-workers, and fellow parishioners where locally they will hear the good news on Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. When you click subscribe at sacredheartradio.com, you get our show notes in your inbox with links to everything featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. To know when your favorite guests are on, go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe. Does your parish have a spiritual event planned? Sacred Heart Radio can help get the word out. Whether it's a parish mission, 40 hours of adoration, or a speaker you've invited, just visit sacredheartradio.com and click on events and give us the facts to put on the radio and on our events calendar. One of the benefits of having a local Catholic station is to inform our listeners of the many spiritual activities happening throughout the tri-state. So to submit a spiritual event planned for your parish, just visit sacredheartradio.com and click on events. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Annie. It's a blessing to be with you and your listeners today. It is a blessing to have you back. And we are looking ahead to the readings for Mass on Sunday, the 21st Sunday in ordinary time and let's start by looking at the book of the prophet isaiah the first reading from chapter 22 and uh, we get the names of these two guys there's shebna and there's eliakim and um okay so shebna gets thrust out of his office by the lord and then they put eliakim in his place um, what is going on in this story, Father? Why is this important? Well, it's all about context, Annie. If we read this chapter in the chapter before in its proper context, well, first of all, the, the big context, Isaiah, who's living during a time and prophesying during a time when a Babylonian exile is taking place or beginning to take place or about to take place, and things are not well, right, in, in Jerusalem. Not all is going well. And if we read the context, we find out, the disguised Shebna, who is, quote, over the house, uh, that, is, that is a position of being, I don't know, Annie, what is it, like the prime minister? Sure. Or 
yeah, vice or vice president, whatever it is. They're given in the ancient world in in the the king's throne city, and well, in any major city, there was the the guy who held the keys. That is the key to the gate of the city. It's very important in the old in the old world because the cities were walled cities, and in order to get in and conquer the city, you had to get through the gate. And so, in in the morning and in the evening, that gate would be opened and then closed. Whoever held that key held the 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 keys of the kingdom, right? Mm. He's the guy that was in charge of taking care to make sure that the that the kingdom was safe. And here we're presented in the book of Isaiah, the prophecy of Isaiah, with two guys. The first Shebna, who in the context of this chapter we find out that while the city is going to is is coming under siege by the by the Babylonians, um, uh, he's telling people, hey, Eat, drink, and be merry. They're all hanging around. They're eating together. They say, oh, well, we're all going to die anyways. Enjoy yourself, right? Hmm. He's not doing his job, not only in the matter of opening and closing the gate, but protecting God's people. So God throws him out of, the, out of his office and says, I'm sorry. You're the one that's been given the keys to protect the people, and, you, and, and you're exposing them to a, 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 something worse than the Babylonians, that is, that is to, to sin and ultimately to giving themselves over to death, and uh, and he, and then and then of course we have the the, the second guy Eliakim who is put in his place in order to be the one to oversee God's people in place of the king because the king can't do everything right so he's got to say that's that's the thing if we go back to Genesis chapter forty one you see something like this about Joseph right Joseph becomes the over the house if you will the key bearer the one who is second in command to Pharaoh. This was a position known in the ancient world and even among the the kingdom of David. And so that sets us up nicely to look at Matthew chapter 16, which is our gospel. And uh, as we like to say, it's the Pope verse, right? When Peter is given the keys to the kingdom of heaven by Jesus. But why is Peter being given those keys? Yeah, once we know, once we have Isaiah in place and we know of this, position, the albayit, the key bearer, the one who's over the house of the king, who is protecting the, 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 the kingdom, well, then it makes sense, right? Because in the Gospel of Matthew, we said over the last few weeks, Annie, that the Gospel of Matthew and, and really the Synoptic Gospels as a whole are all about one thing. They're all about revealing that Jesus is the fulfillment of the expectation of the Jews. He is the coming Messiah. The Messiah, the anointed one, is the king. He's the king, right? That's why in the Gospel of Matthew, over and over again, in all of the parables we've been looking at, Jesus is constantly hitting us over the head. The key, the king, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is yes. like, over and over and over and over again, because he's, he's trying to reveal who he is. This is why in this passage, the most important thing is not what Jesus says to Peter. It's what Peter says to Jesus. Jesus asks the question, who do you say that I am? And then Peter confesses, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the king, Peter says. And therefore, Jesus does what a king does. He establishes his kingdom. And in an establishment of his kingdom, he names Peter as the Albaid, the key bearer, the one who is entrusted to oversee the kingdom, the one who is entrusted to protect God's people from those that would invade the kingdom and try to destroy it from the inside. 
This is why the, the, the position of Peter is so important among the apostles. His job is to protect against heresy, not to invite it into the kingdom, to protect it. And if he doesn't, he's warned in the prophecy of Isaiah that we heard today that he will be eventually thrown out of his office. Well, Father, I think that that's a great point because um, of of something else that that Jesus says in this gospel, that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against this kingdom. That's right. The, the, the key here, again, is who Jesus is and what his kingdom is, right? The, the kingdom that Jesus is establishing on earth is the kingdom of heaven. Well, let me tell you something about the kingdom of heaven. It is eternal, and the devil is going to have nothing, no power over it at the end of the day. But of course, of course, on earth, it is under siege. It is under attack because the evil one wants to destroy it. But, 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 but he will not be able to in the end, though men have been put in place to be able to oversee it on earth and struggle to do so just like the prophecy of Isaiah. So the history of the church being ruled by men is a history, is oftentimes a sad history, because we fail, but the king himself will never fail. Ultimately, Jesus will be victorious, and his kingdom on earth, that is the Catholic Church, will remain forever. We've been talking to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo. And Father, if listeners want to check out what's going on over at the Institute of Catholic Culture, and I know there's a lot going on next week, where can they get in touch? We're very excited. A number of really awesome programs coming up. Everything, of course, is free of charge at the Institute of Catholic Culture. Come check us out. Adult Education in the Faith, all for free, instituteofcatholicculture.org. And instituteofcatholicculture.org is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Registration open for the Cardinal Virtues with Dr. John Cutterback on Monday. Dr. Peter Kreeft will be uh, speaking on Blaise Pascal and Bishop Mikhail Moradian of the Armenian Catholic Eparchy of America will be talking about the Armenian genocide today. Uh, that on Friday night over at the ICC. And if you like to watch Father Mitch live on Wednesday nights, you'll see Father Hezekiah Carnazzo on TV promoting the Magdala Apostolate, which is a great service of the Institute of Catholic Culture, um, free seminary-level education for religious sisters. So, like I said, big week at the ICC next week. Hope you check it out. Nine till now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back right after this. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping, 513-271-2332 or on the web at wimberglandscaping.com. That's wimberglandscaping.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one. 
TheAbrasiveOne.com. TheAbrasiveOne.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. A mass with the anointing of the sick will be held on Labor Day, September 4th at 11 a.m. at St. Antoninus Church in Western Hills. If you are seeking physical, emotional, or spiritual healing, we encourage you to come or to stand in for someone who is in need. The Sunrise Morning Show continues as we head into a Friday and uh, about to turn you all over to the rest of the programming into the weekend. <laughs> Anna Mitchell today, the Feast of King St. Louis the Ninth. Mm-hmm. St. Louis, Indeed. of course, named after him. And Paul Lockman only has so much time on his hands. But while you were talking to Father Hezekiah, I was able to crunch some numbers. Oh. So the question yeah, we were talking was posed about this at, at the beginning, beginning of the, of the hour. hour. Uh, when the St. Louis Cardinals play on the Feast of King St. Louis, like, what's that? What's their record like? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't look at the whole thing. But thanks to BaseballReference.com, I was able to look at the last 10 years. Oh, okay. That's, so, that's a pretty good sample size. It's a, it's a decent sample size. So, from 2022 back to 2013, the last 10 years, you know what kind of record the St. Louis Cardinals have posted on the feast of the saint after whom their city is named? You want to wager a guess? Five and five. Five and five it is. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Heaven shows no favorites. No favoritism. Who did they play on those dates? Uh, let's see. 2022, they uh, beat the Cubs 8-3. Okay. 2021, they beat the Tigers 3-2. 2020, they lost to the Royals 4-5. to mm-hmm. um, Let's see. Lost to the Rockies. Now, you, you did this for, one, for, for 10 years. I, did, I, I, I know it takes a while because I did it uh, for uh, the Reds on my birthday. Just like... Uh, on your birthday. On my to... birthday. And they're like 11 and 14, but I have an update. In your it. lifetime? No. Yeah. You have farther back. With a, couple, with a couple of off days. They, well, they were off on, on my birthday a couple times, too. Well, there were a couple of off... Well, yeah, there are a couple of off ones in here, too. Yeah. So... Uh, they've uh, outscored their opponents 50 to 48. Pretty uh, even. On those, that's, that's also about as even as it gets in baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, the last time that the Reds played the Cardinals on the feast of King St. Louis, mm-hmm. King St. Louis, was actually the year before that. Uh, so 2013 is as far back as I went, but 2012 is when the Reds played the Cardinals on August 25th. It was a Saturday that year. Mm-hmm. Reds beat the Cardinals 8-2. to two. Of course they did. Mike Leake got the win. He also hit a double in that game off of Jaime Garcia. Oh, wow. Good times. Uh, let's see. Two RBIs from uh, newly installed Hall of Famer Scott Rowland. You had homers from uh, Brandon Phillips and Jay Bruce. So there you go. Nice. In case you were wondering. I'm so uh, glad you went back and looked at this. You know, when we say that the Sunrise Morning Show will get you everything you need to start your day, latest news, weather, sports, and more, this is what we mean. If that's not a Friday sports, sports story, I don't know what is. You tell me what other station on the dial is going to hit it from that angle. King St. Louis the Ninth. Pray for us. Pray for us. I think pray they got the Cubs our... tonight. <laughs> pray for our leaders as well. Actually, go Cardinals because yeah, we want Cardinals. them to knock the Cubs out. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So. Yeah, we got we to gotta root for the Cardinals on, on the Feast of St. Louis. 
I think we're probably required to by canon law anyway. No doubt. No doubt. Well, until a Monday, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. I am Deacon Mike Erb with Coldwell Banker Realty. Proud to support Sacred Heart Radio because I am a faithful listener and I'm happy to help you with buying or selling your home. 513-237-8888. That's 513-237-8888. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati chapter of Legatus. Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for Mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. I'm Father Ethan Moore from Catholic Bearcat University of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com.